3: using free speech to free minds. You're listening to The David Knight Show. As the clock strikes 13, it's Friday, the 26th of August, year of our Lord, 2022. Day 895 of the emergency. You know, there's a reason that I keep counting this from the declaration of a national emergency for COVID. And it turns out that this emergency order to uh, do loan forgiveness is based on that very thing. Where does Biden get the authority? To spend who knows how much. I mean, this is an open ended thing. This is an entitlement program that he created by executive order. Is it 300 billion? Is it 400 billion? Is it 500 or 600 billion? Well, we're going to take a look at what it really is. It's far more than the 300 billion they're talking about. And again, it's an entitlement program created on the basis of the Trump executive order of Friday the 13th. March uh, of uh, March, 2020. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Well, I mentioned yesterday, I said, uh, well, Biden is doing this. Where does he get the authority to do this? I didn't look at his justification, but uh, some other people pointed out. As a matter of fact, it was a CBS reporter who pointed it out. Well, he has the authority to do this uh, based on a post-9/11 national emergency law that has been bolstered by the state of a the declaration of a national emergency by Trump's executive order. <laughs> so all that we have to stop the executive order. That's why I talk about this every day, 895 days into this thing. And uh, it is the executive order that is the basis of medical martial law. And it's not just medical martial law now anyway. It, It is just a dictatorship to do whatever I wish. Whatever I wish, I can claim that this is about COVID. Do you think that the student loans and defaults on these things have anything to do with COVID at this point? No, they don't. As a matter of fact, I'll show you how large they were before anybody said anything about COVID. Uh, Going back to 2018, it was a big issue. And it's been a campaign issue. This is simply something we all understand. This is simply something that Biden wants to do in order to buy votes, as I said yesterday. it's uh, An election is an advanced auction of stolen goods. This is an advanced auction of stolen tuition. Hoping that these people will vote for him. And it appears to be working. His numbers have gone up. Uh, he'd hit a very low point. And now, after spending money with the so called Inflation Reduction Act, uh, that appears to have uh, helped him. Uh, this is going to help him as well. So, um, what is the basis of this? It was rammed through, says uh, uh, Information Liberation. It was rammed through by executive fiat under a post September 11th law that allows for debt cancellation in connection with war other military operations, or a national emergency. Well, we do have other military operations besides war, right? We've got undeclared wars everywhere still going on, especially uh, the surrogate war that we're involved in in Ukraine. It hasn't been declared, but, you know, it's there. It's a military operation. and um, But we have the national emergency, and that is the key thing. So um, he's running this through, uh, as it says in the uh, documents from the Department of Education, I have those documents here in front of me. Uh, it was reported by a CBS reporter. Well, uh, the documents say the emergency is the present COVID-19 pandemic. That national emergency. Every kind of dictate that they wish to push through in this dictatorship that this has become. It's a medical martial law, but it is now a continuing dictatorship. Remember, we had the CDC say, well, we're, gonna not, uh, we're, we're going to jump into these relationships in terms of foreclosures and in terms of, um, uh, you know, evictions and everything, but, but they did not come in and say, well, we will pay the landlords or, or whatever, whoever owns the mortgage, because, um, in 45% of those cases, it was middle-class individuals who owned it, not institutions, So 55% were owned by banks. They have other ways to protect the banks. This is about destroying the wealth of the middle class as much as you could during the Trump administration and the Biden administration to make sure that you shut down middle-class businesses, most of them service businesses now because that's about the only thing that's left. Restaurants and service businesses like hair salons and things like that. So shut those down. They're not essential. And we don't want the middle class having any wealth and property. So we will say, if somebody's behind in the rent, tough, you don't get paid. No compensation for you, but you can't evict them either. Uh, so we understand what that was all about. That was not about compassion. And right? if it was about, uh, well, okay, we understand what this is, so we're going to go into debt as an, as you know, and and we're going, there wouldn't be any constitutional authority for that, of course, but there isn't for anything that they do. But we understand this is a tough time, so we're going to let people stay there, and then we're going to make sure that the landlords don't get behind in their, uh, their they still have to pay the banks. That's how the banks come out ahead of this. Banks and financial institutions holding 55% of, um, as landlords, uh, they're the ones who are going to be able to go in and snap up stuff at discount prices when um, the middle class can't pay for it because the government says, no, you don't, you don't have to pay the middle class. So uh, 9-11, and I've said many times that, you know, this is, this pandemic, this Trump uh, pandemic has, is the second shoe to drop from the Bush 9-11 issue. And they've been working on it, you know, through the Obama administration as well. But um, it, they were tied together right at the very beginning. And I'll just mention it again, two months before 9-11, You had the first one of these simulations, Dark Winter. First simulation had uh, Fauci, had the CIA there. The CIA, Woolsey, was uh, pretending to be the president. They had the media as part of this. The bureaucracy was part of it. The military was part of it. CDC, all these, uh, Johns Hopkins, all of them part of it. And they do a simulation, and the result is, well, we know from this simulation that uh, everybody's going to die if we don't lock everybody down. And we have to have draconian measures. And because you weren't draconian enough, you pull back. You said, well, we got a constitution. I don't have the authority to do that. Because you did that, people died. And because you didn't rush through a vaccine without any testing, people died. They practiced that on an annual basis. Event 201. I think it's 201. I can't remember. It's 201 or 301. I think it's 201. Event 201 was the final one. Uh, But they were all essentially the same thing. They all had the same motto. Uh, you've got to completely take over control of society, medical martial law, and then we've got to roll out untested medical uh, vaccines for people. So um, they practiced that for 20 years. But they did the simulation two months before 9-11. One week after 9-11, you had the anthrax false flag attack, which we've had investigations showing how the CIA was involved in that. Uh, the particular type of anthrax could have only come, only two places in the world, it could have come from. Both of them run by the U.S. government, both of them run by the CIA. And then two months after that, you had the Model State Emergency Health Powers Act. Model legislation sent out to states, and you had um, about uh, two-thirds of the states, even at the very beginning, gave themselves all kinds of state powers to do what we just saw happening under Trump. Based on an emergency declaration, The states will roll out the stuff, and they will be financially incentivized by the president. This was the plan for 20 years. It took Trump, the guy who was going to stand against the globalists, who was going to stand against the deep state, it took Trump to pull the wool over your eyes so that you thought he was going to protect you against the deep state when he was the guy who executed the deep state plan that had been practiced for 20 years. And so when we had 9-11, we immediately got Department of Homeland Security. Now, the corollary here to that, I guess, is, you know, weaponized uh, and empowered CDC and public health bureaucracies everywhere, right? That's a legacy, this institutional legacy that we've got. Another institutional legacy is the TSA of 9-11. And now we've got this, uh, you know, where they can put their hands on you, inspect your bags, do anything they want, do naked body scans, pat you down. Now we've got the uh, testing. Let me stick this up your nose. Yeah, I know I could do it with a spit test, but it's a lot more fun when I stick it up your nose. It's just just more humiliating. (laughs) The only thing we could do that would be more humiliating is to do what the Chinese did and laughed about to State Department employees. Instead of an anal scan, a nasal scan, they did an anal scan. (laughs) And they were laughing about it. And I think it is funny. It's a total humiliation. That's what this is all about. The nasal s- scans, uh, 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 probes are are a, um, it's a, a, an invasion, a humiliation. And uh, so, you know, just like the TSA, we now have the nasal probes. Perhaps we'll also get the anal probes eventually. And uh, just like you got the body scanners, now you got the PCR tests. You see how they keep adding these different things? We had... Uh, <laughs> As a product of all this stuff, we got the Afghanistan War and then the Iraq War based on lies about weapons of mass destruction, based on torture that was illegal. Uh, now we've got the Ukraine War. We'll probably get the Taiwan War. What's the point of all of this plan? First shoe, now the second shoe dropping. Well will just make sure that you have nothing. You own nothing. So what is this Department of Education ruling? You say this is coming from Biden, but of course... All the bureaucratic administrative state is under the president. So the uh, Department of Education and the Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona, put out a memo for the basis of this on August the 23rd. Uh, The United States Department of Education, uh, General Counsel, uh, Legal Authority for Debt Cancellation. Well, Okay. I would like to see from the general counsel of the secretary of education, I would like to see the constitutional authority for the department of education. You know, that was created in the middle of the Carter administration and Reagan campaigned on getting rid of it. It was just a year too old when, uh, Reagan took office and yet he didn't get rid of it. He grew it into adulthood. And, um, so there is no legal authority for the department of education. According to the 10th amendment, if uh, they haven't been granted authority for something, they don't have it. And there's nothing in the constitution about the federal government being involved in education. They cannot presume to have it. They don't have it, but they use it. They use it to control education. Do you realize that 92% of these loans that are going to be forgiven are coming from the department of education itself? That's how they control what's taught in colleges. And that's how they, uh, you know, they incentivize the loans. So everybody goes to college, everybody gets indoctrinated, not educated, but indoctrinated into their CRT nonsense and the rest of this stuff. That was the purpose of it. So uh, they're basing this on the HEROES Act. HEROES Act... This is reading from the Department of Education, Office of General Counsel, their memo. Uh, so the first authorization the authorization begins by saying the Secretary's Heroes Act authority. We have authority under the Heroes Act to do this. The Heroes Act, first enacted in the wake of September 11th attacks, provides the Secretary of Education broad authority to grant relief from student loan requirements during specific periods a war other military operations or a national emergency such as the present covid19 pandemic they put that in there just so you know and so because of trump's executive order that still remains it remains and you know he's added some new executive orders about it but it's that fundamental thing declaring a national emergency this is why greg abbott re-upped it at the end of march and uh for texas yeah texas has a continuing covid emergency oh really really i mean nobody other than the liberals in austin wearing even wearing masks when we left but uh yeah the republican governor extended the state of emergency in texas why because of power because it's political this pandemic is uh a political virus so they said, uh, so that includes uh, the types of things that we can do during a national emergency is the ongoing moratorium on student loan payments and interests. You see, the Republicans didn't challenge that when they put a moratorium on it. And so now it's like, well, we, you know, you agreed that we have this authority because we put a moratorium on payments. And so now we're just going to wipe them off. And you already agreed that we had the authority to do that under Trump's executive order of a national emergency. They said, specifically, the HEROES Act authorizes the Secretary to waive or to modify any statutory or regulatory provision applicable to student financial assistance programs, quote-unquote, if the Secretary of Education, quote, deems such waivers or modifications necessary to ensure at least one of several enumerated purposes, including that borrowers, borrowers are not placed in a worse position financially because of a national emergency. So uh in um um they uh <laughs> they say in the present circumstances this authority could be used to effectuate a program of categorical debt cancellation directed at addressing the financial harms caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. Um I, it's not relevant at this point in time, but um the uh the the next part of this, they said, well, you know, we have this law, we have a national emergency, and you the Republican president declared the national emergency. Now, the only problem is, and they, have, they address this as part two of the memorandum. The second part of the memorandum says that in January of 2021, the outgoing Trump administration, on January the 7th, Secretary DeVos resigned from her position. And on the 8th, uh, a new memorandum came out from um, the then-principal deputy general counsel uh, that uh, said that we do not find that the, this particular emergency meets the requirements for uh, the educational department to waive loans. So the outgoing Trump administration said this does not apply. And so the second part of their memo is to say, oh, oh but we decided that it did. The memorandum that was put out by uh, Betsy DeVos on the way out Said Congress never intended the Heroes Act as authority for mass cancellation, compromise, discharge, or forgiveness of student loan principal balances, and/or to materially modify repayment amounts on terms. That's what that memo said. Uh, but they said, "Well, we've talked about this, and we've decided otherwise." You know, I mean, that's what that administration's opinion was, and now we have a different opinion. You see, when you have a dictatorship, nothing is based on the rule of law. It's just well, i They said no. I say yes. It's just a dictatorship. So they say um, the January 2021 memorandum is formally rescinded. And number two, uh, we've authorized publication in the Federal Register and public posting of this memorandum as the department's interpretation of the HEROES Act. So just like that. yeah, Just like that. We change it by fiat, by dictate. Now, Thomas Massey, a congressman from Kentucky, said this. He said, Biden's student loan plan will cause more inflation, and inflation impacts retirees and lower- and middle-income families the most. That's right. That's right. Uh, but, uh, you know, who's going to benefit from this? Well, you know, it, it's not so much that—first I looked at this, and I thought, well, the banks are going to be benefiting from it, and there will be some banks who benefit from that. But like I said, 92% of the loans— are held by the Department of Education. They're just wiping them off the books. It's another several hundred billion dollars. How much is it, actually? Well, they're saying it's around $300 That's what the Biden administration says. Uh, I don't believe that for a minute. Neither do other people. Uh, The Center for Responsible Federal Budget, which they say is nonpartisan. I don't know. Is there any such thing anymore as a nonpartisan? Perhaps. I mean, there are some nonpartisan... Government waste uh, agencies, uh, and of course, you know, dollars and cents are objective, uh, but it's also how you interpret it. Uh, anyway, that uh, nonpartisan Center for Responsible Federal Budget estimated yesterday that the student loan program will not be three hundred and twenty-nine billion dollars, which was estimated by the Penn Wharton Budget Model, but they estimate that it'll be between four hundred forty and six hundred billion. Six hundred billion. So I said, well, pick the the middle point, $500 billion, and that was a headline. Biden student loan transfer estimated to cost about $500 billion. Uh, Which one is right? Well, it turns out, if we look at this chart, this is a chart, um, this is the best chart I, I thought I found, but it's from 2018. So it's a little bit out of date. You notice that all of the college money that was being spent uh, right there in the center, so it's kind of a pie chart, and uh, all of the money that was being loaned out and paid back and all the rest of this stuff uh, was uh, totaled uh, $1.2 trillion four years ago. That is now $1.6 to $1.7 trillion, depending on who you talk to. Uh, but let's just, um, it's about 50% higher, let's say a little bit less than 50%, let's just call it 50% higher. Now when you look at those numbers, you see up there the default is 135 billion. Again, this is four years ago. So you can increase those by about 50% or so. I would assume that uh, perhaps uh, because it's been an ongoing trend, uh, the defaults have been going up steadily. And uh, even in the 2018 data coming from this same source, they were showing significant increase in defaults, uh, stopping at 2018. I would imagine the last four years it's gone up significantly beyond that. So you have default, you have forbearance. What's the difference between those two? Well, with forbearance, there's still some possibility that you may be paying that back. They say, all right, you know, we'll, Well, you you can't pay it back right now, but this is just a temporary situation. By the time you realize and both parties agree that it's going to be permanent, that's never going to be paid back. That's when they call it default. So if you looked at uh, the combination four years ago, if you total up default and forbearance alone, you get $248 billion. If you increase it by about 50%, that gets you up to $372 billion, which already is more than the Biden administration is admitting right? That may be what they're looking at. That may be the numbers that they're coming up with. But I think a better way to look at this is to take the total. And again, let's go to these 2018 numbers. $1.2 trillion total. Now, deduct from that the part that was being paid back, which is that big green thing down there, that big green part of the pie chart. That's $669 billion was being paid back out of the $1.2 trillion. And then there was another $118 billion, that's the dark blue at the top, uh, of uh, people that are still in school. While you're still in school, you don't have to pay the loan back, obviously. And so the people who are paying it back and the people who don't owe it, by the time you total that up and subtract it from the $1.2 trillion, that was $649 billion um, four years ago. And so that includes stuff that's in a grace period, stuff that's in forbearance stuff that is in deferment, other things, and the stuff that is in default. Which I think is the right way to look at that. I think it's going to be the total amount less anything that's being repaid or the stuff that isn't due yet because they're still in school. So if you were to look at that four years ago, that's $649 billion. And um, so increase that by about 50%. And you're starting to get close to a trillion dollars. Trillion dollars there in the Department of Education that they are talking about repaying. So um, when you look at the student loan debt statistics, now this is current, this is for 2022. Um, this particular article uh, from NerdWallet says, uh, student loan borrowers in the United States owe a collective nearly $1.75 trillion. That's why I say, you know, if it was $1.2, let's just call it $1.8, that's about a 50% increase, right? And uh, that's according to the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. That's their numbers. And so when you look at the average debt for a bachelor's degree, it's uh, 28950 So, you know, they put in 10000 They said if it's a Pell Grant, $20,000. And um, so I think that's probably where they came up with that, you know, saying we're going to pay uh, uh, about uh, anywhere from half to a third of what this is going to be. But I think this is going to be a lot more. Again, we've, here's the bottom line we've created an entitlement program by executive order based on an executive order from the president, the previous president, Trump. Do you see how far we've gotten from representative government? You see how we're in a dictatorship? Just uh, blows my mind to look at what is happening to this, this fantasy legal world that we live in has nothing to do with the Constitution. Of course, Democrat Raphael Warnick is boasting about the fact that this is only the first step. Oh, yeah. We have now decided that we can vote ourselves largesse out of the uh, public coffers. End of our republic. End of our republic. Because the democracy side of it has taken over, and a democracy ends when the people realize that they can just vote themselves money. Biden will also extend the loan cancellation to those with debt for their master's and doctorate degrees as well. Obama's chief economic advisor, however, is a big critic of this because he actually crunches the numbers. And he talks about Obama's chief economic advisor blasts Biden's what he calls reckless, reckless student debt bailout. Why does he call it reckless? This guy is um, Jason Furman. He was named by Obama as Chair of the Economic Advisors. And this is what Jason Furman, Obama's Chair of Economic Advisors, says about this reckless student loan thing. Uh, Again, the the money doesn't bother me as much as the, 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 the way they got here. The legal shell game, the sleight of hand as to giving themselves the authority to do whatever they please. That's the most dangerous thing about this, even more so than the money. Furman says, pouring roughly half a trillion dollars of gasoline uh onto the inflationary fire. Isn't that interesting? I've been saying this executive order from Trump and the lockdowns and the supply chain disruptions, all the rest of this. I said, Trump created a dumpster fire. He turned our economy into a dumpster fire. And then then, uh, uh, Biden came along and poured our fuel on it. So he says, pouring roughly half a trillion dollars of gasoline onto the inflationary fire that's already burning is reckless. Doing it while going beyond one campaign promise of $10,000 of student loan relief and breaking another that all proposals paid for, or will be paid for, he says, is even worse. Uh, he says uh, the White House fact sheet has sympathetic examples about a construction worker who's making 38 thousand dollars and a married nurse making 77 thousand dollars a year, but then why design a policy that would provide up to forty thousand dollars to a married couple making two hundred fifty thousand dollars? Why include law and business school graduates and medical school graduate doctors getting their degree, that type of thing? He said, by the way, these examples that they give contradict the baseline. some have concocted to claim that this will not raise inflation. He says it will be inflationary. There's a number of other highly problematic impacts, including encouraging higher tuition in the future, encouraging more borrowing, creating expectations of future debt forgiveness, and more. He said, uh, most importantly, everyone else will pay for this, either in the form of higher inflation or higher taxes or lower benefits in the future. And I would also say higher tuition. Right? That's what's going to happen. How are we using, you know, is it necessary to go to college? That's the big question. Well, I think it is because when you look at what is on offer at the University of Texas, uh, one of the classes that they're going to be offering is a Taylor Swift songbook course. Now, you know you have to take a class in this or you will not be equipped to deal with life, right? How pathetic this is. I wish I could have taken when I was in school. <laughs> Instead of taking thermodynamics, I wish I could have taken the Taylor Swift songbook course. This isn't even a music course because, again, she's not that, mu- she's not that big on music. She's not that big on lyrics either. But this is being offered by the English department as literature. Oh, you can't make this up. How ridiculous has academia become? These people who say they don't know what a male or a female is And, uh, they, now they don't know what literature is either (laughs) in the literature department. This is not literature. It's not music. It's not literature, but people are paying. I don't know how much to go to the university of Texas at Austin. You know, the university of Texas has got an endowment that is about the same or a bit bigger than, uh, Harvard and Yale because, uh, they're, they're getting their money. Yeah. They got a huge endowment in Texas. Well, endowed, (laughs) but, uh, They um uh they get their money from oil and gas rather than from Daddy Warbucks who wants to get his kids into Harvard and Yale right uh that's typically how Harvard and Yale have gotten their big money and they keep propagating that hey if you want to get into the elite stuff you know you got to donate some money so you can get your kid in it doesn't matter they can be as dumb as George W Bush or they can be as stupid as Bo Hines who thinks (laughs) the the uh, Republican candidate endorsed by Trump. Who thinks that all this talk about Banana Republic is a slur on store managers? <laughs> no, this is the example of a Banana Republic right here, Bo. Call it a bo Banana Republic. Uh, anyway, so this is a brand new course on, as uh, Breitbart describes Taylor Swift, a Democrat activist, pro-abortion, pro-China, climate change hypocrite, pop star. <laughs> well, that pretty much covers it. The course is titled Literary Contests and Contexts, the Taylor Swift Songbook. The school's English department provides an introduction, they said, to literary studies and research methods that use the songwriting of Taylor Swift as the basis for teaching a wide range of skills. That's right, a wide range of skills. So, yeah, forget... We get thermodynamics or circuits or fields and waves. Yeah, just, just go for the Taylor Swift stuff. <laughs> and then when you get out, don't worry, you know, you're gonna have like uh thirty, forty thousand dollars typically to pay. Uh, but but Biden will wipe that off. And maybe Taylor Swift will do a song about it. <laughs> you can dance as you're getting your debt wiped away because you wasted years of your life. That's the other thing. You you're wasting your life doing this stuff. Not you're not wasting your money anymore, but you're just, you are wasting your life and uh, you are getting uh, propagandized in something that is beyond idiocracy. Institution, and they're not the only ones at the University of Texas, Austin. Institutions of higher education are now offering all types of bizarre courses, says Breitbart, uh, that uh, caused many to question the true value of accredited degrees. These are accredited degrees. Where are the people doing the accreditation, right? Why aren't they looking at this stuff and saying, I'm sorry, no? <laughs> you, can't, you can't give degrees from people who've taken courses on Taylor Swift's songbook. In 2019, a Portland State University professor reverse revealed a class at the school titled Queer Ecologies. <laughs> It's thought to encourage students to start rethinking the nature of nature. <clears throat> I think we've done that a great deal. Uh, with some of the topics being discussed in the courses, including Queering Settler Colonialism and Queering Science. Mm, okay. In 2020, Washington and Lee University offered a course entitled How to Overthrow the State. Well, I mean, you know, it is named after two people who, one of them who, uh, George Washington, who did overthrow the state and uh, another one, Robert e. Lee, who tried to overthrow the state, unfortunately Lee failed. But, uh, <laughs> I think what they were, I'm just waiting for when the Washington Lee and uh, Washington Lee university, uh, literally, uh, knocks down the Lee chapel and digs him up out of his grave. He and his family. Yeah. I, I expect that to happen. Uh, my, probably in my lifetime actually. Uh, anyway, um, they had a class on how to overthrow the state, how to produce a manifesto, how to write a persuasive essay on rewriting history and confronting memory. Well, see there, you're not overthrowing the state. What you're doing is you're overthrowing, uh, culture. You're overthrowing history. You're overthrowing intellectualism. This is Marxism was what it was. It wasn't a a lesson on how to overthrow the state. Um, last month at Texas state university, uh, what is it about? The Texas university system, you know, Austin has got the Taylor Swift thing now uh, in the spring semester of 2023. So this semester coming up fall semester, you can take the Taylor Swift songbook in Austin. And then in the spring semester of 2023, the next one, uh, if you go to Texas state university, you can take a university course on the work of pop singer, Harry styles. Oh, okay. Uh, student loan debate is not about just money. It's also about the experiences that students like me sacrifice. This is a, uh, a piece. I think we should make the people that take these courses pay for all our debt. If you take the Harry <laughs> Styles course, you get
1: my debt. I didn't go to college, but I'm going to go accrue some. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
3: Yeah. Well, uh, it, it, is, it is insane, isn't it, Travis? <laughs> Did I steer you wrong when I told you I'm going to go to college? <laughs> Darn, if only I could learn about queering colonial settlers or something. I d- <laughs> Yeah, querying science, uh, that's, that's what they're doing. You know? They don't want math anymore. You know, Math is hateful because you know it's got to be 2 plus 2 equals 5. Uh, this is a homeschool student who wanted to go to college. She writes this for a reason. And she said, um, uh, my parents didn't have the money to send me. And they told me, um, you, you, you don't want to get out of college and have a massive debt. Don't take out a student loan. Uh, they said the average, her parents said, um, uh, you know, the average student who graduated with a bachelor's degree from private university in late 2021, as I did borrowed over $32,000. She said, my parents eventually convinced me that starting my adult life that far in the hole wasn't worth the trade-off, nor was it a serious option for them to shell out heavily for my degree, given that our household income and our down the road education costs for my siblings Student loans were off the table. So I began to search for a way to afford a good school. She said, I did all I could to improve my chances of getting merit aid. I took the ACT and the SAT a combined five times, gunning for a top score. Her point is in this whole thing that she busted her behind studying so she could get her scores up so she could get a scholarship and uh, not have to take out any money. And so she said, "I, I missed a lot of things because I was working so hard. And there's a lot of people, uh, Karen got scholarships and worked, had very little of a student loan when she got out of school. Uh, I worked in when I was going through school, but, uh, my parents covered the minimal tuition at state university at the time. Wasn't, uh, uh, you know, it was university of South Florida. Tuition was so low. It was, uh, less than I spent on my books. And, um, and I bought, use books whenever I could get them. So uh, college uh, at a uh, public school was not expensive. Karen went to a, a private school. It was more expensive, but she didn't take out much of a loan, but she worked all the time and she had scholarships. She had academic scholarships. She had music scholarships. Uh, when you do that, when you work hard, uh, you miss some of the playing that is done by some of the other people. I would say that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's a good experience. However, What I see out of this, I see it from a different perspective than this student, newly graduated, does. I look at it and I say, well, the purpose of the Democrats is to punish achievement and hard work. Always has been. They want to make you dependent upon them. And so they punish your hard work. They punish your achievement. They want to have uh, an idiocracy that they rule over. And they want to uh, reward non-accomplishment. And it's getting more and more difficult to get a scholarship based on merit. That's disappearing. That window is disappearing. Uh, You'll get a scholarship based on your identity, but not on merit at most of these universities. Now, that kind of stuff is beginning at the Ivy League and the uh, leftist, uh, most leftist universities, but it's spreading everywhere. Uh, That's one of the things that we should be concerned about. But, you know, she is correct in the sense that when you steal money from people, you're stealing chunks of our life. Why do I say that? Well, because uh, people who aren't trust fund kids, like uh, the Bidens and the Bushes and stuff like that, uh, you, you work and spend time to earn money. And when somebody comes along and just steals your money, they're stealing your time. They're stealing your labor. They're stealing chunks out of your life. And that should uh, concern us a great deal. But I, I gotta say, I'm even more concerned about the money. We know what the, <clears throat> we know what the game is about stealing money, and we know that that is a tactic to control us. You know, that's a key part of it. You know, if we don't have money, if we have nothing, uh, you know, we're going to be their happy slaves. They say they will put us on universal basic income. They'll provide games for us as distractions, and we'll be happier. We'll have. No money, we'll be out of the system. We won't be a challenge to them. Uh, that is not the path to happiness. We all know that we were designed to work, and uh, uh, but the thing that concerns me the most is this dictatorial power that they have given themselves. I declare that I am now dictator because I declare that we have an emergency. emergency. Right? Everybody, <laughs> as soon as we get, get an emergency emergency everybody to get from the paying back the student loans we'll be right back and we're going to talk about uh some headline news something i want to say about um, marjorie taylor green she got swatted a second time and uh, there's some very important uh things that we need to learn from that we'll be right back If you can't support us financially, please keep us in your prayers. TheDavidKnightShow.com
2: If you like the Eagles,
4: On a dark desert highway,
1: the cars And Huey Lewis in the news.
4: They say the rock and roll is
1: competing. You'll love the classic hits channel at APS Radio. Download our app or listen now at APSradio.com.
3: All right, I have some uh, tips and comments before I get into uh, some headline news here. Uh, Brad Bryan, thank you very much for the tip. He says, "Love the show, David. curious. what you think of Lewis Rossman. I don't know who Louis Rossman is, um, so <laughs> I have no opinion about Lewis Rossman. I'll look him up and uh, find out about it. I'll I'll let you know what I think. Uh, Geese Busters, Geese Busters, thank you very much for the tip. I appreciate that. Uh, See you there frequently. Um, Alan Vale, thank you for the tip. And he says, thank you, David. Well, thank you, Alan. I appreciate that. Uh, I had a listener send this to me yesterday. I mentioned, uh, maybe it was Wednesday's show. I talked about Senator Joni Ernst and the fact that she had written a letter to attorney general Merrick Garland saying, why are you sending people door to door, knocking on doors saying, show me your guns, <laughs> <laughs> You bought multiple guns. I want to know you still got them. It's like get a warrant pal and, and intimidating people. And I showed you the clips, uh, about a month or so ago, um, showed it again this week, uh, but that was uh, one guy, he said you know, he had doorbell camera and he said he was kind of taken aback. He was embarrassed because his neighbors see that he's got, you know, three or four uniformed cops standing around a bulletproof vest. And it's like, now they all think I'm a criminal. You know, and he's, I was just reacting to this like, okay, okay, here's, you know, here's what it looks like. But he says, I'm really angry that I complied with it. And then, uh, you had another person who that happened to, and they called the police and said, somebody's here is uh, trying to break into my house, <laughs> impersonating an officer, or whatever they said. They said impersonating an officer. And that's true. He was impersonating an officer. Cops showed up, and uh, he wouldn't show them his ID because he's privileged. He's a federal officer. So it, he nearly got shot. <laughs> but they did arrest him. And uh, so when I talked about that, I mentioned the fact that uh, Senator Joni Ernst had, uh, from Iowa had sent a letter saying, uh, what's going on? Where's your authority to do this? And uh, Kevin sent me a letter from uh, Iowa. He says, being from Iowa, paid special attention to the story on Senator Ernst uh, about the letter she sent to A.G. Garland on the constitutional searches concerning guns and gun rights. While I'm glad she's taking a stand for gun owners across the country, she was called out on June the 23rd by the Iowa Firearms Coalition for her vote on June 22nd in support, and support of Biden's red flag gun laws. It is Biden's gun control, red flag legislation. I feel the approval of the legislation by her and many others of the so-called conservatives is hypocritical to say the least. Thanks for the opportunity to vent. Well, here's what I think uh, about that. I, I think this is why I would call out Trump on these various things. And we need to call people out on this. And we need to uh, shame them and embarrass them when they do the wrong thing. And sometimes that can cause them to try to save face and do the right thing when the next similar issue comes up. And I think that she probably did that. You you haven't seen any other senators do that, right? She's trying to make amends for what she had just done to betray gun owners with this red flag law. So yeah, we need to hold their feet to the fire. We need to criticize them. Directly and publicly when they do the wrong thing. And uh, then, you know, pat them on the little, their little head when they do the right thing. But say, I still remember what you did with that red flag law. You still owe us. <laughs> and you still need to undo that, whatever you can to undo that. Offer some legislation to undo what you just supported. Uh, but again, um, that's the best that we can do, given the constraints that we have. The fact that they control the ballot and we'll only have a Marxist or a socialist to to choose from, (laughs) the Republicans being the socialists now. The Republicans have become what the Democrats were when I was growing up, and the Democrats have become full-on Marxist dictators, as I was just showing you with the educational issue. Uh, Lawmakers are now calling for the U.S. to issue a digital dollar. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And I said, do you realize that Biden put out an executive order on, let me get the date here, Uh, on March the 9th, yeah, Joe Biden put out an executive order giving uh, the Federal Reserve and other executive agencies, uh, of course, the Federal Reserve is not an executive agency, but agencies under the president, the Federal Reserve is independent, they're private, and uh, they like to brag about how independent and private they are. Uh, it's not a conspiracy theory uh it's uh an outrage, but <laughs> the Federal Reserve is not a conspiracy theory it's an outrage there's a t shirt for you um <laughs> the uh exactly is a conspiracy and an outrage but uh back on March night, he did this executive order. remember I covered it a few weeks ago, and I read to you all the different agencies and it's Every agency that you can imagine, and then some that you probably didn't know about, all have to report back to him along with the Federal Reserve in 180 days from March the 9th. And they have to talk about their plan to get to a central bank digital currency. So where does that, what date is that? 180 days from March the 9th. Well, I put it as September the 5th, if you include the two days. I don't know if he's including the two days or not. Uh, But if you have those dates inclusive, that would be uh, September the 5th, which is a week from Monday. A week from Monday, all of these different agencies, plus the Federal Reserve, is supposed to have a blueprint for what they want to do to push the CBDC. Do you understand how close this is? By the way, if you want to uh, (laughs) try to get something out of this system that is private, that you hold, Go to davidknight.gold. That's what Tony Arderman has set up to direct you to uh, wisewolf.gold. So, um, to me, that's a a bigger issue than inflation. Inflation's a big issue. And we don't know exactly how that's going to work out. And we don't know how they're going to manipulate the gold prices as they always do. But the reality is, is that if it's physical and in your possession, it's real money. And um, the CBDC is. What is coming? Only question is when. And they've got detailed plans. Now, the reason I'm mentioning this again is because as this is about to hit in about 10 days or so, you now have articles being put out by mainstream media talking, and you have uh, lawmakers who are on the uh, Finance Services Committee in the House. So these are people that are part of the banking industry. And I mean that they're part of the banking industry. If you look at Maxine Waters, who is the chair of the House Financial Services Committee, her husband is heavily involved in this stuff, as a, you know, the banking side. Uh, you know, it, it's just like our FDA commissioners, it's a revolving door, regulatory capture. Uh, they go back and forth now. Trump's two FDA commissioners; one of them works for Moderna, the other one works for Pfizer. These people: Maxine Waters, chair of the House Financial Services Committee; her husband's part of the banking industry. I don't know the connections from the um, from the Republican French Hill, uh, but um, you know he and um, uh, Jim Himes, who is also who is a Democrat. Uh, all of them, all three of them. Part of this House Financial Services Committee, all three of them, are contacting the press about central bank digital currencies. This is what they have to say: uh, Maxine Waters has drafted re- legislation that would require the Fed to study it uh, earlier this year. Biden or- or- ordained, uh, <laughs> I guess that's the way to put it, since he's acting as pope or something. <laughs> he ordained to study. He ordered to study. Uh, Representative French Hill, a member of the House Financial Services Committee, a Republican, said he's concerned by China's digital currency. And uh, the Democrat is saying the same thing. Jim Himes, the Democrat from Connecticut, says uh, the digital dollar should be authorized, not just studied. I do feel some urgency because other countries are moving ahead, you see. We have to do it because if we don't do it, we're going to wind up with a central bank digital currency gap. (laughs) <laughs> Mr. President, we've got to get, we're going to have a, 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 central bank, digital currency gap. If we don't get on this right away, uh, they're going to, they're going to take us over, we got to do it defensively. I know it's horrible. I know that it's going to destroy everything in our country. I know it's un-American and unconstitutional, but we got to do it because the Chinese are going to beat us to it if we don't do it. So we got to be more Chinese than the Chinese communists, right? Got to be more Marxist than they are. That 's what it is and so we, we got to outflank them by becoming more the, more of a marxist authoritarian country than they are that's the logic here so um, <laughs> that's where they're racing it's coming it's coming though so, because when you they all know what the plan is, all of the agencies have been told produce your report in about ten days from now and uh, Maxine Waters has already put out legislation, and now you've got these other guys on the financial services committee saying we got to do it and we got to do it fast we got to accelerate this because china is going to do it and they're going to do it first so let's become china before they become before they uh, do anymore the u.s government has finally unsealed long hidden rulings on mass surveillance this is going to look so tame when we have central bank digital currency i mean that that is surveillance beyond anybody's wildest imagination, behind, beyond even what dystopian movies have been talking about. Uh, it is to infinity and beyond in terms of surveillance, the CBDC. But this is how your government has handled what they currently uh, are uh, supposedly able to do under the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. This is from Reclaim the Net. Uh, They say that uh, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court uh, has now revealed how the secretive court interprets the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act to allow mass surveillance of foreigners, of foreigners, and uh, who are on American soil. You know, you don't have to have uh, the FISA court get involved when you're surveilling foreigners abroad. You know, that's, that's what spy versus spy is all about. You know, that would really put a kink in the game, right? But no, you... They were concerned, and the FISA regulation came about because of the Frank Church hearing in the Senate and because of the uh, Pike hearing in the House. They knew that from the very beginning, the CIA, from their creation, uh, right after World War II, the CIA and the NSA were surveilling American citizens without search warrants. And they said, this has got to stop. That was the thing that came out of it. As I've said before, all the talk about assassinations and heart attack guns, that was sensational stuff. The media didn't focus on the fact that they were spying on us. But that's the product that came out of those hearings, was to say, you're not going to surveil Americans in America without a search warrant. And you're not even gonna surveil foreign citizens in America without a search warrant. The only thing that you can do without a search warrant is surveil foreign citizens in foreign countries. Uh, But they have turned that on its head. They've used a foreign intelligence surveillance court to give them a search warrant for Mr. and Mrs. Verizon and to search everybody in America without a search warrant. This is the way these things work. If we don't watch what the government is doing, they will take things like the Constitution, things like FISA, that were supposed to restrict their actions, and they will use that as a basis to give themselves powers. To do exactly the opposite. That's why I say they constantly are turning the Constitution upside down and inside out because they will not be ruled by law. In 2015, Congress passed the USA Freedom Act. <clears throat> it required the government to make public all significant rulings by the FISA court. However, the executive branch under Obama argued that the USA Freedom Act did not apply to FISA court rulings issued. Before the passing of the law in 2015, due to the lack of transparency, the Electronic Frontier Foundation sued under the Freedom of Information Act to force the government to disclose all uh, foreign intelligence surveillance court rulings. The lawsuit resulted in the government releasing more than 70 of these court rulings that were previously kept secret. However, the government did not convince the court that six rulings should be kept secret because of their disclosure. There was a risk to the national security. But last week, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence made public seven rulings, including the six that the government previously kept secret in the lawsuit. The release of the documents was a victory, but it should not have taken seven years for the government to release the documents, says EFF, Electronic Freedom Foundation. Additionally, it beats logic that there were only seven significant rulings between 2003 and 2015. (laughs) So what else are they hiding, right? Uh, so, uh, I guess if you don't know what they are, you can't ask for them. The seven newly released rulings are heavily redacted, of course, but they still show how the FISA court approved new ways for the government to collect personal data. And, uh, so anyway, they were grabbing, uh, unique phone identifiers and mass collection of phone call records. This is going to be so crude compared to the central bank digital currency just amazing to think how rapidly this is being put in place. Are there any Republican senators talking about this in opposition? Any Republican congressmen talking in opposition to it? No. I mean, at least when they created the monster from Jekyll Island, the Federal Reserve, at least you had some people speaking out against it. Nobody is even talking in opposition to the central bank digital currency. Not in, not in Washington, and really not in the press either. It's just you know people like well, but but Mar a Lago, uh, 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 Trump, uh," you know, central bank. Never heard of it. What about Trump? What are we going to do to protect Trump? Well, the FBI has now set their sights on James O'Keefe's Project Veritas with this Ashley Biden diary conviction. You know, when I looked at this, I didn't think that they had any exposure to this because they turned it over to, um, the FBI, they didn't publish anything. Uh, but you know, we have a politicized FBI they're looking for anything that they can get now. And, um, the claims are that they paid $40,000 for this. Now to go back and to uh, look at the, you know, what happened with the Pentagon papers, for example, uh, and that, that has become a heroic story of the left and it should be. And a historic story, Um, I think the right decisions were made. And uh, you had um, uh, papers uh, that were being kept hidden from the public about what was going on in the Vietnam War. And uh, those were stolen and given to the Washington Post and the New York Times, and they published them. And, uh, so then the government at the time came against those two newspapers, but the court ruled that, uh, if they were given the papers, they could publish them. And, uh, so they came after Ellsberg and, you know, he got off on a technicality. Uh, but, um, the, uh, but, but the principle was established in that case that if somebody steals information. You can come after them for that act, but you can't come after the newspapers for publishing what they were given. But uh, when you look at Assange, he said, well, I was given this information and I published it, so I should be treated the same way. Whether it's true or not, what they tried to do with him, what what they're claiming to do with Julian Assange, is they're saying that um, uh, he participated in the acquisition of those. I don't believe that at all. But that's the claim, and so what they're saying is, is that uh, if you are a publication, a journalist organization, uh, you cannot steal the documents and publish them. And uh, so that's the basis for what they claim they're doing to Julian Assange. And again, I don't, I don't believe that. I believe that's a contrivance by the by the government. And in this particular case, uh, it's going to come down to whether or not these two people who have been arrested for theft. It's going to come down to whether or not the FBI can get them to testify that they were paid or promised you know, or incentivized in some way by Project Veritas to acquire this diary. Now, that's not the story that they had before. <clears throat> the story that they had before was that um, <clears throat> they were friends and they were staying at the house and that uh, uh, Ashley Biden, daughter of Joe, had uh, been there, and she had left some things behind. And they happened to find that diary that she had left behind. And then they decided uh, that they would try to market it. And Project Veritas said, well, we're not interested in it. But if uh, these people are in trouble, as they are in trouble, if they can be a 58-year-old man and a 48-year-old and a 40 woman, if they want to uh, turn this around and say that Project Veritas Incentivized them and sent them to steal this. Then uh, they that would be the basis for them to come after Project Veritas. So it depends upon that, um, how this is interpreted uh, and uh, whether or not any of that is true, and they can make it stick or not. I don't know. It's going to be a it's going to be a mess. But but what we're looking at here is weaponized prosecutions. Of course, all of the things that were done by Hunter Biden that we now know about, uh, the fact that he lied on. Uh, federal form to get his firearms, all the drug use, all the rest of this stuff, all the pornography, all of the influence, peddling, and corruption which involved his father. I mean, Hunter's not going to be charged for any of these crimes that he committed, and they're going to completely ignore everything that he did on behalf of his father. So, uh, again, this is the rampant corruption that we see in the federal government. It's just beyond redemption at this point. We have to find a way to cut it off. Out of our lives, YouTube, by the way, is quietly dropping some of its COVID censorship. They have some new rules. Uh, Well, they don't say what the new rules are. They they've dropped some of the rules for which they would kick you off. I thought that was kind of interesting because I was never able to get an an explanation from them as to why they kicked me off. Not going to tell you. It's top secret. So now I can look at some of these things and kind of gives me an idea of why they kicked me off. Uh, You would get banned from YouTube. If, for example, you said the virus no longer exists or that the pandemic is over. Oh, okay. Well, I I checked that box. Uh, If you said COVID-19, vaccines are not effective in preventing the spread of COVID-19. Yeah, I was saying that from before they even (laughs) rolled these things out. So I guess I could check that one too. Uh, Wearing a mask is dangerous. Yeah, I said that. Uh, Or causes negative physical health effects. Okay, all right. Yeah, I said all that too. Masks do not play a role in preventing the contraction or transmission. Yeah, I was very adamant. I had studies that showed that true, going back to 2002. Uh, Wearing a mask causes oxygen levels to drop to dangerous levels. Yeah, that was the OSHA said that. Uh, I didn't say it. I but I did tell people that OSHA had said that. That OSHA said that if you wear one of these masks, you know, if you work in a dusty environment, we're going to require you to wear a mask because we don't want you to get respiratory illness like the people that Rudy Giuliani sent in to clean up the 9-11 mess, right? We don't want that to happen to you. So unlike uh, Rudy Giuliani, who is in such a hurry to cover up the evidence of 9-11, uh, we don't want you to get sick and with respiratory illness that's going to debilitate you and kill you at an earlier age. So you're going to have to wear a mask. But you can't wear that mask for more than 20 minutes. Uh, and you have to take it off so that you can breathe some oxygen. Uh, but we just forgot about all that stuff when it came to COVID, right? So yeah, I guess they could could have uh, kicked me off for that too. Um, masks cause lung cancer or brain damage. Well, the um, it does uh, damage your brain if you're deprived of oxygen. And um, in terms of cancer, they found um, a lot of masks that had been contaminated. Uh, the masks that came from China—I don't know—was it was it uh, poor quality control in China or was it deliberate? I don't know, but they put some carcinogenic uh, chemicals in those masks. And then, of course, uh, one of the things that they don't have here on the list uh, from YouTube—things that can get you banned—was the fact that um, <laughs> uh, the fact that uh, you had a German scientist who said uh, it was the opposite of the 2002 study from Australia. He said, uh, if your after your mask becomes wet with your, uh, spittle, then, uh, when you inhale, uh, you're going to get smaller particles, droplets, and they're going to penetrate deeper into your lungs. So if you're sick with something, it's going to intensify that at the really deep level and, um, in your lungs, you're going to be aspirating, uh, germs in a higher concentration. So yeah, there's that as well. Uh, wearing a mask gives you COVID-19. Um, well, I don't know, I don't think I said that one, um, but uh, content that disputes the efficacy of local health authorities oh, I did that one or the WHO's guidance on physical distancing or self-isolation measures, and uh, videos that allege that social distancing and self-isolation are not effective in reducing the spread of the virus. So I guess I all but you know, one of those, I checked those boxes and multiple times, so I guess maybe now I've got my answers to why they kicked me off. Uh, All the rules banning these specific claims have now been removed from the policy. All right, great. So I can get back on. (laughs) Well, no, because now they've got rules about what you can say about the climate. They got rules about what you can say about Ukraine and on and on. Um, So there's a lot of uh, other rules there. And they seem to apply those rules in a a different way. You know, I, I see other people who can come in and make these statements that I just read to you. And surprisingly, they don't get kicked off. What is it? I don't know. Uh, But anyway, they said that uh, uh, even though they've made these changes that walk back most of the COVID censorship, they were made quietly, they received little publicity, and many of those who were censored under the old rules still haven't had their channels or videos restored. As a matter of fact, they will not. They will not do it. So even though uh, that has disappeared, uh, I'm not going to get my YouTube channel back. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to talk about uh, the the SWAT stuff. And I did talk about that yesterday. I thought you know, it really is amazing to me that the swatting thing has become such a common thing. And that people who should uh, know better, even people who've been swatted, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, don't make it about the SWAT issues as well. She's just fine with militarized police. She made it about something else and we'll talk about that when I come back. Uh, Stay with us.
5: David Knight Show.
1: Sometimes your day needs a little smoothing. Check out the Jazz channel at
3: APSradio.com and the APS Radio app and leave the stress behind. Well, Marjorie Taylor Greene has now been swatted a second time in two days. I talked about it after the first time. But now this has been um, (laughs) uh, two days in a row that she's now been swatted. And I got to say, you know, what is it about these Keystone cops? Do they not? (laughs) Fool me once, uh, shame on you, right? But uh, uh, when the SWAT team gets it two days in a row, maybe they should figure out that this is a hoax. And actually, I think they did. Uh, Because uh, two officers showed up to her home in Rome, Georgia, after receiving a call at uh, just before 3 a.m. in the morning about a male Possibly shooting his family members and then himself. This is uh, 3 a.m. Thursday morning. Uh, The suspect, who called through an internet chat that appeared to be a suicide crisis line, falsely told police responders that a man, quote, came out as transgender and claimed they shot the family at Green's address, the report said. If anyone tried to stop me from shooting myself, I will shoot myself, said the caller, who gave officers the name Wayne Green and then warned that, quote, they would be waiting for us, according to the police report. So the officers went to her house and knocked on her front door, met her at the front door, where they explained the situation. Is that a SWAT? Is that how the SWAT things work? <laughs> you ever heard of a SWAT they Knock, knock, knock. I'm very sorry to bother you this time of the morning, ma'am, but um, you know, we've got another false report here. She wasn't swatted two days in a row. Uh, it, it, is, um, it is outrageous what is happening. Uh, But um, uh, she is not in danger, like the average person is in danger from these SWAT teams. Uh, But she's making a great deal of this. Uh, She went on with Steve Bannon and had this to say.
0: But these people saying things like that, they're going to cause to get killed. If If something happens to me, my blood will be on their shoulders, it will be their responsibility the liars in the media are the biggest enemy we have, Steve, and I thank God for you because you fight them every single day, and we have to continue to do it because the liars in the media, you know, here's one thing. You think about this. The freedom of press is not the freedom to lie, and that is the absolute truth.
3: Wow. You know, if um, I didn't know who was speaking, uh, I would have thought that I was listening to the Sandy Hook trial of Alex Jones. Uh, you don't have the right to tell lies about me that could endanger my life you know speech is violence type of thing right i wish that alex would have pushed back against that notion instead he chose to not comply with the discovery and lost by default that notion needs to be opposed now the way that he spun this to his audience they believe that uh he was denied a trial no he Decided not to participate by disclosing stuff. He decided that it would serve him better to uh, hide stuff from them, and so he chose not to participate in that. He chose not to defend the First Amendment, and he chose um, not to really defend the Second Amendment either by adding false details to that event. But nevertheless, uh, the 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 way that you respond to lies in the media and a free press. It's not to call for censorship. It's not to push out their lawsuits, which is what she's talking about doing. What she's talking about doing is exactly the same thing that the Sandy Hook families did, and she went on with Alex Jones, defending Alex Jones, and yet now she wants to do what the people who were accusing him did. Where does this come? This is nothing other than just partisan politics, really. Uh, there has to be some awareness of uh, you know what what is happening here, the real issues, and so. Uh, I retweeted that clip, and I said, uh, many people have been killed by SWAT teams. She said, well, they're going to get me killed, and they're going to have blood on their shoulders. That's weird. Anyway, uh, not their hands, but their shoulders. Uh, So (laughs) many people have been killed by SWAT teams. SWAT teams, I said, are an outrageous product of our un-American militarized police state. Representative MTG should stop it for all people, not simply focus on herself. That's what I said yesterday. I said, yeah, the SWAT team's thing is outrageous. Please don't just focus on yourself. The FBI and what it's doing to a lot of people is outrageous. Let's not just focus on mar lago Let's have some institutional reform from these people. Instead, they personalize it, and they make it about the tribalism. It's that, that tribe is attacking the FBI has always been about this kind of thing. It was created by Jagger Hoover for this type of thing. It's always been a Gestapo going back to Harry Truman. He was a Democrat and they were using, they were blackmailing, uh, Jagger Hoover was blackmailing people left and right for his own personal benefit. It's a corrupt organization. It needs to be ended, not even reformed. It just needs to be ended. Uh, the, the actual investigation things that they are doing, that could easily be done at a local level. You know, you could have a think tank that develops uh, uh, methods for doing uh, fingerprints and things like training uh, local police to do that. And and so I said, I'm just tired of these narcissistic politicians who don't solve problems. But there's another aspect of this, and that is the the, uh, First Amendment aspect of it, which she attacked. And um, uh, MTG2 is not firing for me, Travis. Can you fix that? um and uh, pull that up uh you know when we look at um the the issue what i was just talking about the fact that um we should uh you got it oh, okay Well, will go ahead and pull it up i'll pull it up there we go um i said freedom of press what well, what she said freedom of the press is not the freedom to lie and i said yeah but how do you how do you combat hate speech how do you combat false speech with more speech It's called debate. It's called the free marketplace of ideas. And I don't want to see this being shut down by conservatives any more than I want to see it being shut down by liberals. we got to stop this left-right tribalism because it's killing our fundamental liberties and it's killing the Constitution. You don't get to shut down somebody's speech because you disagree with them or because you think that people are going to hate you so much that they're going to try to kill you. I'm sick of hearing about that, and I'm sick to see it coming out of the mouth of somebody who just a couple of weeks ago was defending Alex Jones from people who are doing the same thing to her that she now wants to do to unspecified people. I said, uh, meanwhile, militarized SWAT teams are killing innocent people all the time. And uh, so when I put that out, and of course, I don't even know why, I put anything out on Twitter anymore. I've been so shadow banned. uh, Nobody sees the tweets that I put out there. Uh, But um, one person, dead. Typically, it'd be some people, I I think they put a filter on there that you have to have fewer than, uh, you know, 100 or 200 uh, followers in order to be able to see anything that I got. Perhaps it's different from that. But one person said, Dave, don't get sucked in by Flip or anyone with a Ukrainian flag in their profile for that matter because the person who put out that video was Ron Filipkowski. Now I know exactly who Ron Filipkowski is and there he is. He's got a Ukrainian flag and everything. Uh, the guy is a Democrat. Uh, he was a Democrat in Florida. He opposed DeSantis on, I forget what the policy issue was and he got fired or he quit. And so now he spends all of his time on Twitter, I guess that's his new career. Uh, I don't know how that works out for him, but, uh, nevertheless, the clip is what the clip is. I was responding to the clip, regardless of the source. And that's what I said to him. I said, I know exactly who Flip is, and I don't agree with him about anything. But Marjorie Taylor Greene is wrong about free speech, and she's wrong about SWAT teams, to ignore them. They're only a problem if the SWAT teams happen to her. And the FBI raids and the blackmail are only a problem if they happen to Trump at Mar-a-Lago. I said this is exactly the same argument that was made against uh, Alex and Sandy Hook that lies could get you killed and I'm going to sue. I said, we must not become the monsters that we fight and we don't want to get sucked in by this tribalism. And that's exactly what is happening. Uh, So it appears that the people who are doing this are involved with some transgender group or whatever. And um, and again, you know, uh, respond to that and um, and expose that and don't, don't be intimidated by that. But don't call for free speech to be restricted, MTG. Uh, Kim Kardashian, by the way, uh, just in a, a a TV game show, kind of, a, I guess, a legal uh, jeopardy thing. It's reality TV um, where they have a contest. And uh, she, it's, it's questions about legal knowledge. And evidently it is some kind of a... Um, uh this knowledge quiz is some kind of um jeopardy like thing because Chelsea Clinton tried to explain away i know my mom knew the uh, knew the answer she's just too slow to get there on the buzzer but she got skunked by kim kardashian on a legal quiz 11 to 4 uh <laughs> it was um a tv show called gutsy and it was a legal quiz it was filmed for them uh You know, Hillary Clinton is a Yale Law School graduate. She actually was a lawyer. Kim Kardashian tried to be a lawyer. Uh, She um, took her first year, she she was going to law school, she took her first year uh, exam for law students, they say that's known as the baby bar, and she was able to pass the baby bar, but it took her three times. And somebody that it took three tries to get past the baby bar... (laughs) That's a law, stu- law student. Beat Hillary Clinton, who was a, you know, a, uh, a lawyer from Yale, with a Yale degree, and was also Secretary of State, and uh, on and on. But I guess uh, maybe this provides her with something of an alibi, right? <laughs> so, uh, her violations of national security there as Secretary of State. It was all done out of uh, ignorance. Oh, yeah, but that's right. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> she signed the paper uh, saying what she could and couldn't do with uh, secure documents, and she violated all that. And as a head of the department, she violated all that stuff. But, you know, hey, she just doesn't know any better. I mean, she knows less about the law than Kim Kardashian. Because <laughs> Kardashian's father, you know, was a lawyer, Robert Kardashian. He defended O.J. Simpson. Uh, her father was a well-known prostitute as well. Uh, but Hillary Clinton, getting back to her, uh, when she ran for president in 2016, you remember that um, uh, she was caught in an audio clip where she was laughing about how she got a rapist off. Not her husband, uh, another rapist. And this particular case <laughs> that goes back to, two, to 1975, Hillary Clinton was laughing about how she made some requests for evidence. And the people wound up destroying their evidence in terms of giving her what she was looking for. And so she got her client off that she knew had raped somebody. Uh, she got him off on that technicality. You know, so she asked for the evidence in terms or asked for some of the evidence. And uh, so they uh, clipped uh, the underwear or something like that and, and uh, then destroyed the evidence. And so then she realized that and used that to get her client off. And she was laughing about that. We all heard the. Uh, uh, the, the tape. And so instead of um, uh, going to jail for rape, uh, her client pled guilty to unlawful fondling of a minor and served less than a year in county jail. So I guess the moral, moral of the story is is that um, if you want a criminal lawyer with the emphasis on criminal <laughs> Hillary Clinton is available, but she's not too knowledgeable. Uh, As we were talking about uh, Kim Kardashian, who does know more about the law than Hillary Clinton does? I mean, why, why would you even care about the law if you're Hillary Clinton, right? First of all, from a personal standpoint, you're above the law. And then from an official standpoint, you don't need the law. You just do whatever you want, just as we see Biden doing, as we saw Trump doing with the pandemic stuff. You just do whatever you want. You declare an emergency and you do whatever you want. Who needs to bother with the law? I mean, that's pretty cumbersome, you know. Uh, and uh, who needs to be concerned about, you know, even though Kim Kardashian does know the law, she doesn't care about the climate regulations in L.A. County. Uh, they have an article here from uh, Zero Hedge. Uh, Hollywood celebrities like to lecture everybody about changing their lifestyle, doing more eco-friendly things. However, Taylor Swift, Back uh, maybe we could uh, look at her songbook, uh, Taylor Swift, Steven Spielberg, Kim Kardashian, and Oprah Winfrey, another climate activist, just been exposed to being uh, big private jet polluters. Uh, and uh, now they're being exposed as serial water wasters. Oh, yes. See, in L.A., uh, one of the water districts there, spokesperson Mike McNutt said that Kim and Courtney Kardashian are serial climate offenders because they use way too much water, you know, for their pools and their manicured lawns and things like that. Kevin Hart also, Sylvester Stallone, among the 1,600 people who have exceeded their monthly water budgets by 150%, at least four times or more. Uh, So ordinary Californians are being forced to take shorter showers. They're banned from watering their yards. They're unable to wash their cars. Hmm. Well, uh, but not these people. Uh, they're again, above the law, above the law. So if you want to get out from under those restrictions in California, uh, maybe, you know, a lot of people do, a lot of people are leaving and going to Texas. So now in LA and San Francisco, where they've basically created chaos with their district attorneys, uh, not punishing crime, If the police make a mistake and arrest a criminal, they let them loose, (laughs) district attorneys in those areas. Uh, They've uh, turned the places uh, into a real hellhole. And so a lot of people are moving to Texas. So now they're putting up billboards to try to discourage people from San Francisco and L.A., try to discourage them from moving to Texas. And it says, don't move to Texas. A Texas miracle died in Uvalde. Scroll down a little bit and they show the, um, Uh, the billboard. There you go. The Texas miracle died in Uvalde. Don't move to Texas. And they have up at the top, don't mess with Texas. And they cross that out so that you uh, get the parallel there. I don't know. You know, I think somebody should go in there and find out who funded those billboards. It might be Texas. (laughs) Not the Texas government, but the uh, Texas, uh, the people who live in Texas. Uh, Don't want people coming in with the California (laughs) values. And then while we're talking about firearms, uh, I I keep seeing this story everywhere, everywhere. I see it on mainstream media. I see it especially on alternative media. Uh, We got Joe Rogan blasting Hollywood, saying they're hypocrites. They're hypocrites. They all want gun control, but look at how they use guns in the movies. Wow, you know, I'd never heard that. I'd never heard that before Joe Rogan mentioned that. <laughs> that's been that's been talked about for decades, for decades because for decades Hollywood has been supporting gun control while abusing it. But, you know, if Joe Rogan says it, it's newsworthy, I guess. Uh <laughs> Paul Pelosi, he had a lot of uh uh stories about his uh, first uh, Nancy Pelosi tried to prevent the pictures of him being published his mugshots when he was arrested for drunk driving. But now we've got some mugshots of his car, and his car really did get mugged. You know, he had an accident while he was drunk. And so he crashed his Porsche. And, um, uh, and now that some people did some sleuthing, and they found out that um, it's going to be selling for like $160,000. And that, this thing is a wreck if you look at the pictures. Uh, pull those pictures up there, Travis, and uh, show what these what this thing looks like. It's a 2021 Porsche Carrera 4S. This is a um, car that sells north of 170 thousand dollars, and it only has 2,738 miles on it. And look at what uh, drunken Pelosi did to it. <laughs> I mean, he really trashed that thing. And, and so now they're selling it for 160 something thousand dollars, and you still got to fix it up. So I guess uh, maybe they're factoring in the connection to a celebrity as part of the value. (laughs) I don't know, but uh, yeah, that's uh, the uh, Pelosi Porsche right there, Uh, uh, courtesy of uh, a bottle of booze. California is advancing a plan to ban gas vehicles, as I talked about, by 2035. And you know they're going to move that up by quite a bit. Uh, But the question becomes, as um, I've mentioned many times, and um, even uh, electric vehicle car owners understand the situation is going to be an an issue of um, how easy it is to to charge your car. I mean, how many different places can you charge this car? Well, they're going to have a lot of money spent to uh, put in uh, different charging points. Government subsidized. However, however, it still doesn't address some of the other problems. And one of the key problems with this, of course, is the fact that they're shutting down power to the grid while they're going to be putting on tons of new cars onto the grid. And so, as General Motors was showing off their electric car to the press, somebody asked some very pointed questions about where its power comes from.
0: No, the battery in this particular design is a T-shape right down the center and across the back seat area. Because everybody thought we killed the electric vehicle. No, we didn't.
4: It's
1: alive and well. So what's charging the, the batteries right now? What where where's what's the source of uh? Well, here
0: it's, it's coming from the building.
1: I mean, is it um? What's our mix of power?
3: Oh, it's coming actually, from the building. Lansing feeds the building. <laughs> what's that?
0: Lansing feeds power to the building. So I don't I don't know. Uh, I bet you they're a bit of pull. Oh, they're heavy on natural gas, aren't
3: they?
1: Right now the is charging off of
3: your grid. Right. It would be charging off uh our grid, which is
2: nine about ninety five percent. Cool. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. So it's a coal-powered EV. That's what it is. It's a coal and they don't want coal plants. And so they're shutting coal plants down. So how are you going to power your EVs, right? The, I like the first uh, response she had. Well, it coming from the building. I said many times, David Schneer, who worked for 30 years for the EPA, is one of the people I worked with to try to get the the hidden data, the prohibited data that you're not allowed to see. But you know, they make they write their papers. Uh, People like Michael Mann, who came up with a notorious hockey stick lie that was used to craft public policy. It was used by Al Gore in his ridiculous documentary, uh, An Inconvenient Truth. It was a convenient lie. And uh, they didn't want anybody looking at their data. They had published the figures, they had done the studies at a university paid by the public to do this. They had published their findings, and their findings had been used to craft public policy, but we're not allowed to see the data. And so uh, he was part of the lawsuit um, that I w- the group was doing that I was working with. And uh, David Schneer had worked for 30 years for the EPA. Uh, he went there to try to clean up pollution, but then it became about shutting down energy. And so when he resigned, he started uh, opposing them. But he would go to speak to people. He would ask people, what is your favorite source of energy? And he said it never failed. Somebody would raise their hand and say, electricity, that's the cleanest. That's the cleanest. stuff." Not understanding that electricity is not a source, it's a a product of power generation. And so that was the first response that this um, woman who was an executive for GM gave. Oh, it comes from the building. (laughs) Oh, 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 you mean, well, where do they get it from? Well, it comes from Lansing Power. And at first, and said, so, "Yeah, but but what do they use?" And she says, "A coal." Oh, well, I think they use a lot of natural gas. She knew it was coal. You heard her say that. She immediately caught herself, pushed over. So then he goes over and he talks to the Lansing people, and they said, "Yes, ninety-five percent coal. The power that we generate. They're going to cut down the power to the grid, and uh, there is absolutely no way. It, you've already got in China, you have Tesla charging stations." and NIO, which is a, a, a Chinese uh, electric car company competitor. So these Tesla and NIO, two electric car companies, their EV charging stations are going dark in China because China is rationing power. This is coming to everybody. And look at they're rationing power in the EU for people to have heat for the winter. And the prices of electricity are going through the sky. And um, yet, they are going, at the same time, they're doing all of this. They're telling everybody, you're not going to have any cars that run off of anything other than electricity off of our grid. You can't even supply electricity to people to heat their water and to heat their house. And now you're going to say, uh, uh, "And by the way, uh, we'll all have electric cars. Why don't people call them out on this? And I don't see anybody calling them out on this nonsense. But, of course, that's the way this is going to go. They will uh, start imposing sky-high fees on you if you charge, special taxes. They've already talked about that. Okay, well, now we've got an electric vehicle. Now we're going to put a special charge on on, uh, your electricity use and things like that. Uh, And uh, they will limit the amount that you can drive them. Or they'll just shut down, as they've just done in China, they will shut down the charging stations completely to ration power. Uh, this is the way it's going to go. Th- there's also the issues of materials. Uh, where are we going to get the specialized materials? like The cobalt that's being mined by uh, African children under horrific conditions. Uh, or the uh, lithium that um, most of the stuff is being controlled by the Chinese, the raw materials. So if you have enough charging stations, are you going to have the juice in the uh, grid to power them? Where are you going to get the materials? China's got control of it. And then the other aspect, as we're moving into all this, which is the self-driving aspect, uh, Tesla has demanded removal of videos that show Elon Musk's cars hitting child-sized mannequins. And I haven't played that for you, but um, uh, there's a lot of uh, social media videos where um, you'll see a couple of cars going along and they're going pretty fast. And there's, uh, mannequins that are the you know children uh, that are in front of them. And, uh, the other car sees it and applies the brakes and the Tesla just goes plowing right through it. Well, I mean, is, is that an issue? I mean, wouldn't you want your car to stop even if it, if it was an obstacle, even if the obstacle didn't look like a child, wouldn't you want it to stop or would you want it to just plow through uh, does it know that that's just, you know, some kind of a, a mannequin that's uh, standing there? Or, or Could it be a pylon, right, uh, that you're going to just try to drive straight through? Uh, it should have stopped. But see, the answer is, um, I don't want people to see that failure. Again, we're back to the free speech issue. Uh, I don't like what you say about me. Uh, I don't like what you say about my product. And uh, you need to take it down, or I'm going to sue you. That's where we are today. Self-driving vehicles could be, however, on Britain's roads as early as 2025. Who cares? Just put them out there. We've already, though, in America, they've authorized the uh, use, San Francisco, again, uh, let GM put their self-driving cars out. The very next day, they had uh, an accident. They're going to let these autonomous self-driving cars act as taxis. The very next day after they authorized it, one of them had an accident couple weeks later, another one had an accident. Then all of them went to one intersection and stopped and turned off. They couldn't get them away. I mean, are they ready for prime time? No, this is just another mass experiment on the public they don't care about. And uh, so they're going to do that in Britain. Uh, they're not doing it yet in Britain, but we're doing it big time in America. We're experimenting on people on the public roads already. Uh, in Texas, they're allowing... Self-driving uh, semi trucks, and and these are not electric. They, you know, that's a, These are two different issues: the self-driving thing versus the electric power. And uh, so they have uh, diesel-powered trucks that are under autonomous control. And one of them, uh, when they flipped it on, it was going 60, 65, and it just did a hard left right across the divided highway and smashed into a wall. And uh, you had similar situation like that uh, happen in um, with a BMW in Germany uh, that killed some people. Uh, in this particular uh, situation they didn't hit anybody. But self-driving vehicles have the potential, the potential to revolutionize people's lives and to kill people as well, uh, particularly by helping those who have mobility issues. Uh, well, you know, if we push these things through, then we're all going to have mobility issues because the goal is to make sure they shut down the power to the grid, they make the cars ridiculously expensive, and uh, then they rent you the ride, they rent, Uh, transportation and mobility to you by the ride. They don't want to sell you a car. They don't want to lease you a car. The most profitable thing is for GM and Ford and Tesla to rent you the car by the ride. And uh, we will all have mobility issues. This is not uh, about helping uh, disabled people any more than these DARPA robots are about helping little old ladies cross the street. Come on. You have to understand what the real purpose is on this. Uh, So, uh, meanwhile, uh, and I've talked about the electric Tesla. I was very skeptical about it as well. And um, it was promised a couple of years ago. uh, But now there's some more promises coming out of Tesla. They're saying it's closer to production. They've released some new details. And uh, they say they can go 0 to 60 in 20 seconds with a fully loaded truck. And with a combined gross combination weight of 82,000 pounds, and it's able to maintain highway speeds at a 5% grade. Tesla estimates the charging with electricity will be two and a half times cheaper than the price of diesel measured in California between February and July, Uh, and that was an appropriate time for them to make that measurement. With uh, Biden increasing the price of diesel, Uh, the uh, so they're saying that they're going to put something out at the end of the year. We'll have to see. Um, they had predicted it for late 2023. And um, so now they're saying it'll be shipping before the end of the year. Uh, again, uh, we've seen promises made before. I still uh, think it is amazing uh, how much, if you think about how much energy it has to have in order to have uh, to pull that much weight and to have that much range. The capacity is just astounding. So I don't know where all the big batteries, are. it's got to be a different kind of battery. They do have a different kind of charger. Instead of calling it a supercharger, they call it a mega charger. So they have upped the charging capability. They say they can replenish the batteries up to 70% in 30 minutes. And um, so they say their competitors can do 80% in 90 minutes. So again, I have to well, wait and see whether these uh, things are real or if this is vaporware that they're selling. Nevertheless, lithium prices are putting EV producers under a lot of pressure. And uh, it's going to be, this is all going to be limited by materials. It's going to be limited by the power available on the grid because they're shutting the grid down as they're putting this massive new burden on the grid. Uh, Martin Armstrong at Statista uh, Statista, uh, said that lithium carbonate, central for the production of batteries used in EVs, has experienced a meteoric rise in costs in just the last few months, being traded consistently uh, above the mark of last February. And if you look at the, uh, the chart, it is just going sky high. It's gone from uh, about 200,000 yen uh, in uh, 2017. It declined uh, to about 50,000 in 2020 as everything slowed down. And now it is up to 500,000, a tenfold increase. They said uh, the current global supply issues and demand forecast for it to rise aggressively over the next uh, few years. Producers of electric vehicles are now under increasing pressure to maintain their pricing models while also facing down significant hurdles to meet their production goals. Analysts are still predicting new lithium price highs around the corner, not the relief that the motor industry needs. Even more troubling is while increased domestic lithium production plays a crucial role in Biden's green energy plan, lithium mining has quietly revealed itself to be a significant contributor to environmental pollution and the effort to abandon fossil fuels. You see, there isn't any uh, perfectly clean, perfect technology anywhere. Every technology has got some environmental issues, it's got some health issues, it has scarcity or availability issues. The technology is going to have uh, some issues to make it work, but we should throw out the stuff that uh, is currently working and f- compel people to try completely new technologies that are unrefined and they haven't worked out the supply chains for. Why? Well, because uh, the global billionaires are the ones who own these companies and they got in on the ground floor and they're going to use the government to shut down their competitors and compel us to buy. Uh, their, their products. So, yeah, Freight Waves uh, industry publication asks, are electric trucks zero-emission vehicles? Well, of course they aren't any more than that uh, GM electric car is. That GM electric car is fueled 95% by coal. Now, you can make a clean coal plant, but uh, they didn't say that they were doing that. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, some toxic meds before Gerald Salenti joins us today. And uh, we talk about uh, what is happening with the coming dark winter uh, with war and the events that have uh, really escalated things uh, in Ukraine over the last week or so. I want to get his take on that. We'll be right back.
5: Decoding the mainstream propaganda. It's the David Knight Show. Whether you're feeling like the blues or bluegrass, APS Radio has you
3: covered. Check out a wide variety of channels on our app at APSRadio.com. Well, before we get into the vaccines, toxic meds, I have uh, some uh, listeners who have uh, sent some updates uh, about their vaccination status and their religious exemptions. Uh, we've had scientists use stem cells to create synthetic mice. Synthetic mice. What do they mean by synthetic mice? Well, uh, they use the stem cells to create the mice instead of sperm and egg. And they don't need a womb either. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that uh, Huxley talked about in Brave New World, the kind of hatcheries. And so this article uh, from AP. Gleefully talks about how uh, around the future we could, you know, make humans in a hatchery. Imagine that. Well, you know, Huxley already did. He talked talked about it being Brave New World. Just another one of these aspects uh, of uh, you know the dystopia novels that we're now all living in. And um, they said um, that they they put this together again: uh, no sperm, no egg, no womb. They created a synthetic mouse embryo from stem cells. And uh, they said the lab-created embryos mirror a natural mouse embryo after eight and a half days. Oh, including, after eight and a half days, a beating heart. Do You understand that the Associated Press, which is rabidly anti-pro-life, <laughs> anti-life, let's just say that, they're anti-life, uh, they have style mandates, speech mandates. You will not say that you're pro-life. According to AP, people are not pro life. You label them, according to the Associated Press, or they will not publish your story. Uh, You don't use the term pro life. You say anti abortion rights, not pro life. And yet, uh, and and of course, they're very hostile to uh, all of these prohibitions of killing a baby. And yet, when they talk about a synthetic mouse that has been created in the lab, what is their evidence that this is an actual mouse? A beating heart a beating heart, and brain activity. That's their evidence that the synthetic mouse is alive. I think they just hoisted themselves by their own petard, don't you? We have uh, Tennessee's last three abortion facilities will close by the end of the month. Uh, One of them had their final call on Wednesday. Uh, There is one that's remaining in uh, Knoxville. And uh, they were going to be, they announced on July 11th that they would be closing on August the 31st. So Tennessee is about to uh, be abortion-free and um, because of a state ban on abortion. Uh, in North Carolina, a federal judge also ruled on the 17th that North Carolina can enforce its ban on abortions at 20 weeks. You know, when you have things like brain activity and a beating heart, which uh, AP just to explain to us is how you know this is a real mouse. Well, that's how you know it's a real person too. Um, I guess we could say that it's the same standard for mousehood as it is for personhood, right? Uh, and and uh, the elections that they had this week, primaries. You have a uh, Chris who has become the uh, won the Democrat nomination to run against DeSantis, and he immediately. Uh, came out and said that he would be making abortion a central part of his campaign. Uh, federal law is opposed to sending abortion pills through the mail. Now, what will HHS Secretary Javier Becerra do about that? This is a guy who has um, uh, cut his teeth in terms of persecuting people who exposed trafficking in body parts being done by the U.S. government, by HHS, by the, by the FDA, by the NIH, both of those under the HHS uh, umbrella. And he was persecuting the person who exposed these crimes where the government was contracting out for human parts and having uh, Planned Parenthood supply them. So what will he do? Well, I'll give you just one guess. But let's talk about the vaccines. Uh, before Gerald Slinty comes on and and what is happening with the toxic medication mandates that they have. I, I talked a, a great deal yesterday about Doctor Leanna Nguyen because she was one of the most authoritarian dictators in all of this medical martial law. She was saying, you know, unvaccinated people are killing everybody. Unvaccinated people are getting everybody sick. They're the problem. They can't be trusted. you got to put a mask on them. you got to make sure that they can't get out of their house unless they've been vaccinated. And they need to be able to prove it. And they should be able to travel, even on a plane or a train, anywhere, nothing. Well, she has now come out. And she made a turn about six months ago and then shut up. And now she's come out since I talked about that, and said, uh, masking has harmed our son. She admits that it has harmed her son. She said, uh, masking has harmed our son's language development and limiting our kids' extracurriculars and social interactions, negatively affecting their childhood, hindering my and my husband's ability to work. Oh, okay. She got hoisted by her own petard. Uh, She started to admit some months ago that masks don't work and stopping the spread of COVID. Uh, But now this is a further declaration saying the decision to wear a mask should shift from a government mandate to an individual choice. But understand that, as I played for you yesterday, uh, she's not on our side. She says, well, from an individual standpoint, yes, the pandemic is over. But from a government standpoint, from a policy standpoint, it'll never be over. Because we've got the executive orders. And so now you have uh, uh, this being uh, done, uh, the even educational uh, stuff being done, uh, uh, the loans being done that way. Uh, this was sent to me by a listener, who is um, a, a prison guard in the New Jersey system. And uh, it was an op-ed piece that just came out on the 25th. And the guy says, I'm in prison and I had COVID. Officials need to make it better. <laughs> <laughs> As I said before, we had a friend, uh, Virgil, in North Carolina, uh, who uh, was a prison guard. And he would say, these, these guys will try anything. So <laughs> most of the time, I just tell him, shut up, you're fine. <laughs> so that's become a running joke in our family. If somebody complains about something, you just say, shut up, you're fine. Just like Virgil said <laughs> to the prisoners there. But this is what he says on his op-ed piece. It's behind a firewall, so I didn't see the whole thing. But he, this is the gist of it at the top. Uh, many New Jersey Department of Corrections staff refuse to get vaccinated or wear masks. This is what he's complaining about. (laughs) See, he's upset. He's in jail. He wants you in jail and the medical uh, martial law. He says when they test positive for COVID, they're required to quarantine at home for five days with paid leave. But in contrast, the incarcerated population experience strict quarantine situations that border on inhumane treatment. And this listener says, well, I wrote to you back in January. Regarding the same inmate, and he had an op-ed piece then. Now he strikes again, (laughs) and and says that uh, his COVID stuff is all the officers' fault. Says I'd like to know how many of the COVID-positive inmates recently acquired a booster Trump shot. Unfortunately, our resident epidemiologist, uh, (laughs) he's referring to as this this prisoner, uh, left out those details. So he said I'd like I'd like to uh, I figured you'd appreciate the update. He says, I'm a corrections officer at the prison that's mentioned in this. And so he says, I'm happy to report that I got a religious exemption after months of waiting. So there you go. And, and to prove it, he sent me a thing. I'm not going to give you any more information about it. But um, uh, they got their exemption based on religious convictions. And, you know, when we talk about religious convictions, it goes back to this very thing about the mouse, right? Yeah, a mouse. It's got a beating heart. It's got. Well, are we going to harvest Humans who have beating hearts and brains and use them for medical research? Well, sure, says uh, Javier Becerra and Lala Harris, Democrats in California Washington. No problem with that. Well, you should have a problem with it. Uh, This was also sent to me by a listener um, who says, um, just want to let you know that uh, on Thursday, Tucker Carlson is calling out the Trump shots by the name you assigned them. I guess that means he's calling them Trump shots now (laughs) Uh, because I've also called them genetic code injections, but I don't think he's calling them genetic code injections. I think he's calling them Trump shots because mainstream media has called Trump out on this. So, uh, well, that's kind of interesting. Again, uh, you know, I wish Tucker would be more explicit. And I I think a good example of this is... um, You know, just because somebody is knowledgeable in one area doesn't mean that they get it in other areas. But Tucker did understand. As I pointed out, when they would have Mark Siegel, they would require him to throw to Mark Siegel, uh, Mark Siegel Report or whatever, and he'd roll his eyes like, oh, you know, when he'd come back. He clearly wasn't buying it. And when Mark Siegel came on his program and was talking about how wonderful the vaccine was, Tucker Carlson said, well, I'm not getting it. But that's as far as he would go. He wouldn't talk about why he wasn't going to get it. Uh, so he'd kind of hold his fire because, again, uh, Fox News is funded by the big pharmaceutical companies. And uh, that just wasn't going to work. So now we've had a lot of people die. Because a lot of people who knew better wouldn't, toe towed the line and tried to uh, tack around this thing instead of just rushing straight in. You know, you get banned by YouTube get banned by Fox news and all the rest of the stuff. If you do that. So, um, but can you imagine, you know, if Tucker Carlson would have come out and said just some of the stuff that was true and that we knew going back to even before January of 2021, if he would have come out and talked about the history of, uh, of the vaccine stuff and, and looked at the VA, at the various reports as soon as these things started rolling out, uh, it was through the roof, you know, more, uh, people, more adverse effects reported in just a couple of weeks than we had, and all the other ones combined for the last five years. You know, And now it's several times more than all of them combined for the last 30-plus years. But if he would have just uh, talked about some of that and they would have fired him, can you imagine? I mean, he would have been popular enough. He could have started his own, his own uh, thing, certainly, and uh, people would have gotten the message. He would have been ostracized, but people would have gotten the message. Now, one person who has uh, recently started talking about it a lot, over the last couple of months, Mark Stein has come out, and he's been very explicit about this. He's not beating around the bush, really. And uh, as a result, because he's now working for a news outlet that's out of the UK, they have this thing called Oxfam where they will go in and uh, censor your content that you put out on broadcast based on, you know, their, their rules about speech and that type of thing. Uh, they were constantly on um, uh, harassing the, the people that had Top Gear uh, because they didn't like the kind of jokes that they made or this type of thing. And so, of course, they're going to come in and censor people on what they point out uh, is happening uh, on the air. And that's what he's running into. And um, so I wanted to play a little bit of
5: his uh, report here where he says there's nothing to see. Nothing to see here. On Sunday, mountain biker Rab Wardell won the Scottish Cross Country Championship, the national championship. On Monday, the champ went on BBC Scotland to talk about his victory.
1: Talk me through it then. How do you contend with three punctures in a race like this and go on to lift the gold medal?
5: Unfortunately, I'm a... Probably a little bit too too well practiced in managing <laughs> punctures, but uh, this is no, it the guy was, who uh, died. Yeah, it was it was. Uh, he died shortly after this. To be honest, it was a bit of a disaster. But no, <laughs> I just just have to to, to keep on trucking and, and keep racing, and I guess still felt confident that I'd be able to to catch the leaders and, and win. So yeah, just give him my best shot. So a tremendous come-from-behind win on the Sunday. On the Monday, he's on the BBC talking about it, full of life there. Then he goes home and dies. Headline from the Daily Record, mountain biker Rab Wardell dies just two days after winning Scottish Championship. He went into cardiac arrest on Tuesday morning less than 48 hours after winning a national championship. His poor, devastated girlfriend, Commonwealth Games and Olympics champion Katie Archibald uh, tried to revive him, but she was unable to, as she subsequently tweeted. I still don't understand what's happened. If this is real, why he'd be taken now so healthy and happy. Rab Wardell was 37, which is no age to die. Nothing to see here in cycling and nothing to see here in rugby from the Huddersfield Daily Examiner. Tributes to Halifax rugby player, Ben Ben, who has died suddenly, aged 30. Ben Ben from Siddle died suddenly on Monday, leaving his family and friends completely shocked. The 30-year-old dad played competitive rugby for a host of local league and union teams, including Huddersfield Giants and Bradford Bulls. Nothing to see here in rugby, nothing to see here in cycling, nothing to see here in football. Uh, From the Daily Mirror, quote, Tributes have poured in after the sudden death of West Belfast footballer Molly White. Uh, Molly White was 20 and a rising star in women's football. Uh, Nothing to see here in boxing. Also from the Belfast Telegraph, a young boxer who passed away suddenly had an infectious smile and kind hearted nature. His West Belfast club said St. Michael's Boxing Club led tributes to 19 year old Dominic Oscar after his death.
3: Well, you get the idea. He goes on and on and on. It's about an eight minute report. And after he does several of these, he says, Well, you know, I was uh, contacted and. Uh, by Oxfam, when I talked about all the different athletes that were dropping dead uh, shortly ago. And so he says, I, there is nothing to see here. Uh, this is all just a coincidence. Uh, it has nothing to do with a vaccine. Uh, he's um, he's really laying it out there for people. So kudos to Mark Stein. I'm glad that he's doing that now. Uh, and then this was sent to me from uh, a listener who is uh, working EMS. And he was talking about a... Um, Evidently, there's somebody on YouTube who, uh, camping with Steve, is a popular program, and I uh, said, Steve Wallace is a guy I've been watching for entertainment on YouTube. He has a channel where he enjoys some creative camping. I have no idea what his position is on the genetic code injection or whether his wife took it, took it. but he says, what I do know is that they live in Edmonton, which is in Alberta. I'm sure you've seen that the current number one killer in Alberta is, quote, Unknown cause. Unquote. I've personally heard this same exact story almost verbatim several times from family members of patients that people say died of SADS, sudden adult death syndrome. No explanation. Can't talk about it. Right? He says all of them were vaxxed and/or boosted. I can't stress this enough. In 17 plus years an EMS. I have never seen a healthy young adult go to sleep and not wake up for no obvious reason. Well, the reason is obvious. They just won't admit it. And that's what is really sad, what it tells us about our medical system and our hospital system. How thoroughly corrupt and bought off it's become. That they will kill people for money. I mean, this is murder for hire, folks. It's just amazing to me. Um, One of the... My favorite, uh, business names when we were in Texas, um, was, uh, an, an extermination company and, um, a pest company. And they had a sign out front that said, uh, hired killers. <laughs> I thought that was great. Great for, and a, a Western theme, you know, hired killers. But you know, that's what the hospitals have become. We should put a sign up. In front of, I'm not telling you to do this. Don't do this. A will arrest you or whatever. But what would be appropriate? is to take down that hospital sign and put up hired killers. Hired by who? Hired by Trump and Fauci. Paid by Trump and Fauci to kill people with ventilators, to kill people with remdesivir, to kill people by refusing to let them have medication early on that could stop this. Because they could get a 20% bonus. They could get $13,000 just by pointing the finger at somebody and saying COVID. Uh, just, just amazing. They were hired killers and are hired killers. So he says, without knowing for sure if she took the injection, I'm sure there's not much you can comment on about it. Here's uh, what her husband said about it. Hey everybody.
1: This is the hardest video I've ever had to film. So I'm just gonna take my time and um, pour my heart out a little bit here. Um, On Saturday, beautiful wife and I went to bed. On Sunday only I woke up. So, the last the last I don't know how many days um, it's been um, an absolute shock um, uh, everybody knows that I could get a hold of uh, that our personal friends and how it's time to let another million people know so. The only reason there's a camping with Steve at all is because of Jess. Um, if if I'd never met her, I'd still be living in a motorhome trying to finish a, a documentary. And they say this about everyone who passes away, that, that there was no one else like them and that they brought a smile to everybody's face. But she was the real deal, um, and anyone will tell you that.
3: Well, again, I, I I wanted to play that. It goes on for quite some time, but I just wanted you, to see yet another person. Well, what happened? Yeah, she just didn't wake up. And again, do we know that this was uh, what was involved? Now, uh, the EMS uh, person who sent the listener who sent this to me, uh, I read you this first email. He says, "Well, we can't say for sure that she got it. We say that it is a strange coincidence." And yet another unexplained death of somebody who is young and healthy, who goes to sleep and does not wake up. But then he sent me a follow-up and he said, C. Um, Wallace's wife was a schoolteacher. If she was employed by the Edmonton School District, they are mandated to take the vaccine. And he sent me a copy of the regulations that shows that. Now, they put these regulations on October the 15th of last year in uh, Edmonton, Alberta. And they removed them, suspended them as of March the 2nd. However, uh, you were required right away to get vaccinated. And when they put those regulations out in the middle of October, they said you will be vaccinated by the end of the year and um, uh, show us proof of vaccination. There was a caveat. If you didn't want to do that, uh, you could get tested basically every day. So, You can't say for sure, you know, if she worked for the school, she was a teacher there. If she worked for the public school system, she could either have been vaccinated or tested on virtually a daily basis. They said, uh, COVID, uh, you'll have to take a COVID test. The results are only valid for 72 hours from the time of the testing. You will need to submit this information to the employer immediately after the test and on and on. Yeah, it's just a coincidence, isn't it? amazing. I think we should start using that term coincidence theorist because that's what these people become. We're going to join uh, or have uh, Gerald Slinty join us and we're going to be right back. We're going to talk about what is uh, confronting us in so many different areas. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Common Man. They created common core to dumb down our children. They created common past to track and control us. Their commons project to make sure the commoners own nothing, and the communist future. They see the common man as simple, unsophisticated, ordinary. But each of us has worth and dignity created in the image of God. That is what we have in common. That is what they want to take away. All right. And uh, joining us now is Gerald Salenti of Trends Research and he publishes Trends Journal. It's an online publication. Uh, it's excellent. comes out on a weekly basis, hundreds of pages of articles. And of course, it's, you can watch it uh, or look at it in a magazine type of format. Uh, but always uh, always ahead of the trend. Thank you for joining us, Gerald. What's on your mind today?
6: Well, <laughs> how this country has gone so down and how we've lost our freedom you were talking about forced vaccinations what what kind of what kind, what kind of crap is this yeah uh, the health authorities little low life bureaucrats that tell you what's going on they made up this garbage and you saw the, the things that came out last week how the trump administration kept pushing through its operation warp speed yeah uh, gene yeah. therapy shot and how all the arrogant clowns we wrote about this in the trends journal as it was happening yes Uh, Yes. like cuomo and all the others biden we're not going to take that vaccination that thing's being rushed through we're not going to do it you know they're just trying to do this to win the election and then as soon as they got elected they're pushing the thing through and now here's the headline
3: yeah they mandated it as soon as they got in they started mandating it and now they've decided they're going to go the other direction again flip-flop are you ready for this yeah U.S. Ready's COVID
6: booster campaign. Wall Street Journal. (laughs) About 79% of U.S. population, according to the CDC, have gotten two doses required to be fully vaccinated with the messenger RNA vaccine from either Pfizer and partner BioNTech SE
2: or Moderna Inc. Oh, wait a minute here. They're calling it a fully vaccinated with a messenger RNA vaccine. Oh, you mean the first ever injected
6: into the human body?
3: Yeah, that's right. Oh, and they're
6: saying 79%, and how, which I don't believe, but even if we believe it, so we're saying 80%, hey, that's herd immunity. Remember that? Yeah. Or oh, they never heard of that anymore because <laughs> that was the crap that they were selling us. I know. That Ford Fauci came out and said 70%. If 70% of the people get it, it's herd immunity. And now you're telling me that U.S. Ready's COVID booster campaign, four shots, and now you're going for the fifth when you lying SOBs said it had a 95% efficacy rate if you got two shots.
3: <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, it was a joke. It was such a joke. I mean, they did that the Monday after the Tuesday election. I've talked about this many times. They they coordinated Biden on Saturday. 60 Minutes had a piece talking about how miraculous uh, Operation Warp Speed was, but they kept it uh, embargoed until the day after Biden was uh, anointed. And then on the following Monday, Pfizer comes out and says 90%. And then they get into this back and forth. Russia says, we're 93%. And then the next week, Moderna says 94 and Then Pfizer says 945 It's just made up. Absolutely made yeah. up. Yeah, you know, I, I was listening to you read that, and as uh, you were talking about the genetic code injection there, they mentioned the Pfizer-BioNTech. You know, that is legally distinct from what the FDA approved. The FDA approved Corminati, and they don't refer to it as Corminati because you can't get Corminati. They, legally, they, they, they approved something that is legally distinct, and then the Biden administration used that to tell people that they had to get uh, that, that it could be compelled now since the FDA has approved it. Uh, all of this is a lie, but it is really amazing to see how the Democrats opposed all this stuff uh, while Trump was president. Then immediately they embrace it, and then they mandate it. And now, even as some of the Democrats are coming back and saying, you can't trust, you know, we have problems with this because Trump skipped all the testing, but they continue to mandate it, and they continue to push out more boosters. It's amazing. It's, it's demonic. It is. It is. It really is. It's demonic. Look
6: at the cover of this week's Trends Journal. Talking about demonic. Yeah. And not to <laughs> jump off track, but the mm-hmm. word came to my mind. Yes. If you support war, you support Satan.
3: Yeah, that's right.
6: And, and I, I don't want to go there yet, but this is demonic. This is, we have evil spirits that are running and ruining our lives. Mm-hmm. They are in control. The, what they've done to us with these mandates—they've destroyed businesses beyond the belief. Here, these are a couple of stories that you know we're doing with with the trends in the news and and other about the
2: uh, what's going on in in the real world. Retailers cut forecasts for earnings. Oh yeah, I wonder why. Yeah. Oh, you mean?
6: Skyrocketing inflation and sanctions you put on Russia to make things worse and the damage done by the COVID war. Here, this is from the um, Wall Street Journal this past Wednesday, talking about how terrible the office glut is in major cities around the country. People are, we said this was going to happen when they started this mandate, and it was the tech people first, that Dorsey clown closing down Twitter telling people to work at home, and you saw all the tech stocks go through the roof yeah. because people were working at home, zooming this and that, and anyway, so we said this is going to do this is going to do real destructive damage to the to the uh, office occupancy rates and the office buildings, the real
2: estate. We said this back two and a half years ago. You ready? Mm -hmm. Office surplus in America is at almost 20%.
4: Wow,
2: 20%. You're looking at
6: office occupancy rates in the United States around 40 percent that means 60 percent didn't come back that means all those businesses that depended on commuters are out of business a third of the dry cleaners closed down let's go and now this is this is the lie this is how history is so distorted and and how they throw out the crap that people regurgitate the rise of remote work during the pandemic, aggravated the problem.
3: <laughs> aggravated it. It caused it. It's fundamental, no, right?
6: No, it's not the <laughs> pandemic.
3: Yeah, it's a reaction. They're
6: saying they're blaming it on the pandemic. Right. It's the
2: politicians.
3: That's right. It's a reaction to it. Yeah, Putin yeah. didn't do anything. Yeah. It's their reaction to Putin. Uh, and and regardless of uh, whatever happened, it was their reaction to it. We've had uh, plagues before where this never was done. It was their reaction
6: exactly. to it. But yeah. what I'm saying to you is that what they're doing is they're blaming everything on the pandemic. All of the news blames what's going on on the pandemic. No, don't blame it on the pandemic. It wasn't a pandemic. Blame it on the politicians. It's the result of that arrogant little nobody boy, Andy Cuomo. That's right. It's the result of that got son Gavin Newsom. It's Witness Whitney here. It's the one over in Ohio. It's little Hogan, the daddy's boy in Maryland. It's one little low life piece of scum. It's Macron. It's Boris Johnson. It's one after another in countries around the world that have destroyed the lives and livelihoods of billions of people by locking down their cities, states and countries and imposing political science-based mandates that have destroyed, destroyed businesses, people's lives across the globe. But they're blaming it on the pandemic. So when all you stupid kids keep going to the next grade, they're gonna keep putting in the history books that this happened and that happened and this happened because of the pandemic, not the actions of the politicians
3: taking. That's right. And in you, and, and your list, you had uh, Democrat governors, you had Republican governors. They were both on, you know, on the same side. I'd add Brad Little and Idaho and others. But, you know, the thing is, they were being financially incentivized to do this by the Trump administration, and he kept the money flowing no matter what Cuomo did or what Newsom or Whitmer did. He kept the money flowing to these people. You know, remember, you and I both remember uh, when Truman said the buck stops here. Well, the responsibility stops with uh, Trump, and that's where the buck actually started. It started with him. He financially incentivized it with the governors to do that, just like he incentivized the hospitals to do what they did to people that was killing people. Yep. It's amazing. You know, wherever we are, it doesn't matter the political party or anything. It, it's, this is a global agenda, everybody at war against their own people. Let me ask you this. Um, when you talk about the, the office vacancy rates, and they're, they're horrendous, especially in New York City. But I see these reports about how people are you know competing against each other and paying astronomical prices for apartments in New York City. What's going on with that? I mean, you know, it, I don't it's understand.
6: Peaking. It's peaking. It's peaked is it and, and again, you know people it it, it, it it was the cheap money that had people going out and doing what they were doing. This whole thing is going to go down big time as we're speaking, what is the Dow down now? over four hundred points
4: mm-hmm. and
6: they, they barely raised interest rates. I want to put this into clear
2: perspective, not too far from the United States is a place called Mexico they have they're
6: estimating their inflation rate for 2022 will be 10%. Okay? Mm -hmm. The inflation rate in the United States in July came in at 8.5%.
2: In June, it was 9.1%. Mexico's interest rate is 8.5%. America's interest rate is two point five percent. Yeah. Wait
6: a minute. are <laughs> talking we're talking less than a percentage point difference basically in in inflation,
2: but yet your interest rate is six percent below where Mexico's is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same thing in Europe. You have soaring inflation. And where do you have your interest rate at? Zero. Going back to answering your question,
6: it's all of this cheap money has spurred this buying craze, and that craze is coming to an end. We are in going into the worst geopolitical and socioeconomic crisis in in all
3: times, I agree. Yeah, yeah they used to talk about uh, Trump and you know supply side economics, and I, I think what we've got now is consumer side uh, economics with, with the massive welfare programs that they're putting out there in the handouts. You know, the the we don't have to worry, Gerald, about interest rates here in the U.S. because we had the Democrats take care of this. Uh, they're going to spend uh, over seven hundred billion dollars, and that'll tame inflation. <laughs> it's going to reduce inflation, right? That's their, yeah, econ- that's their economics. It doesn't matter about the money supply and the interest rates is how much they can spend. <laughs> all right. So let's go back to what you said about, you know, Trump
6: and what he did. And remember with Trump's big thing, again, I used to make a joke out of it all the time. Every time the markets would go up and down, they would blame it on the trade war because of what Trump was doing with China. You remember
2: that? Yes. Yes. You ready? Mm-hmm. Here we go. China. The U.S. trade deficit with China in the first six months of 2022
6: only increased by 21%
2: compared to the same year earlier. $222 billion.
4: Mm.
2: When I was a young guy, there were no trade deficits. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it starting to
6: happen big time under that other clown, another arrogant little nice boy, a peanut farmer with a peanut brain. Yeah. Jimmy Carter. Oh, the Jimmy Carter and the and the Brzezinski. Oh, and his son now is in the US an embassy or something. Oh, that Brzezinski that gave us the Mujahideen, better known today as Al Qaeda.
4: Yeah. Oh, that
6: Jimmy Carter that allowed the banksters to go interstate? They weren't allowed before. It was only intrastate. Yeah. These mm-hmm. are the people that sold us out. This was from the magazine, the Trends Journal. You see that picture?
3: Yeah. President Bill.
6: <laughs> he got elected. Yeah. Slick Willie. Yeah. Slick Willie, they used to call him. Yeah. That's the guy that sold our jobs out and gave them to cheap labor in Mexico. Oh, that really helped us. And gave China into the World Trade Organization. Mm
4: -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm.
6: Yep. China's GDP was like this from 1970 to 2001 when they came in. It shot up. It officially came in two weeks after 9-11 and nobody saw it. And then you, you keep reading these articles, China's dominance, and it, I mean, it's amazing. China's solar cell exports, for instance, soared $26 billion in the first half of this year, up 113%. Mm. China's exports of cars reached a new monthly record. China's overall share, share of overall U.S. imports has fallen. They're buying less, selling more. They sold us out. You talk about the COVID war. You talk about now the Ukraine war. We have mentally ill, demonic people running and ruining our lives.
3: That's right. That's right. Yeah, I remember when they were selling, and, you know, I'd hear it from the libertarian economists as well. No, you want to have globalism. You don't want to do these, these hard jobs. You work in a factory. Yep. It's dangerous. Yep. It's, it's hot. It's, uh, you know, let these other people, they'll do it for less in China. And yep. so that was going to be our path to prosperity. And yep. many of us at the time were saying, well, what are we going to do? Are we Are going to take in each other's laundry? And, and that's basically what happened until Trump shut down the people who did the service jobs. You know, the only thing left to Americans was uh, doing service jobs for the most part. And that was non essential and they shut all those people down. But yep. um, it, it, it's amazing, you know, Macron is now saying the age of abundance is over. Get used yep. to the austerity because I'm going to force it on you. But this abundance, was a part of that. And it was in a sense, you know, we're getting judged for the immorality of saying, yeah, we're going to use slave labor in China as if that's okay. You know, all these people talking about slavery and talking, you know, Oh yeah, slavery only existed in America. It was invented by America and it yeah. was uh, white people doing, it. no, what's going on right now. And it's yep. been the basis of globalism. And, and it was our moral, uh, bankruptcy, that is now bankrupting us because we decided it was going to be okay to use slave labor. It was a big part of the China price was slave labor. And, uh, now it's come back to haunt us because now we don't have any factories here and we've shipped everything over to them. And, and that's what is, and it's been a bipartisan thing, Republican as well as Democrat, uh, setting up this system. And during the lifting phase of the, all this, the boosting phase of globalism, they were, we're making things cheaper for us. And we did see the falling prices at Walmart, but now comes the next stage where they make all of us slaves. Isn't it?
6: Well, you know what I call it? What's that? I call this, we are plantation workers yes. on the global plantation of Landia. That's right. That's it's right. Landia. You yeah. know, again, you know, we, we, we do all this data in the, in the trends journal about what's going on in the world. And, and you're looking now, for example, about the big increase in sales in Dollar Tree and Dollar General. You know there are 18,000 either Dollar Tree or Dollar General stores in America, 18,000. Wow. So you go into these places. I went into one just to see. My god, what ugly places packed with junk. <laughs> I never eaten in a, in a thousand years. It is. And And this is America today. Yeah. And now let's go 18,000 stores, right? So you put 18,000 that used to be when I was a young guy when the neighborhoods all the neighborhoods had their own grocery stores, their own drug stores, their own hardware stores. You went to different neighborhoods and every you get anything you want in each neighborhood. No more. No more. Neighborhood businesses are gone. Yes. Again, that slime ball, that slimy, slimy person that all those Democrats love, Carter, he also deregulated the airline industry. When I was a young guy flying, there were 150 airlines. You know how they used to have to compete? On service.
4: Yeah. They so. deregulated
6: that. Another arrogant guy, this guy, Alfred Kahn or something. Yeah, Kahn, I think, K A H N. Oh, arrogant, arrogant, arrogant. They deregulated it. And now what do you have? Two companies running the whole show. Two or three companies. Oh, now all the flights, they cancel this, cancel that, charge anything that they want. They had to charge a special price because it was public transportation. That's the way it was looked upon. It was serving the public. No more. And, And the elegance that used to be happening. So to me, this is the the things that kill this country. When they killed Kennedy, it was all over. When Kennedy was assassinated, everything started to change. That slimy, low-life piece of garbage LBJ brought us what? The Vietnam War, eight months after Kennedy was assassinated. Yes. Then what did he do? Change the immigration law to bring in cheap labor. Mm Mm-hmm drove up our debt levels by fighting the Vietnam War, but we're going to give you guns and butter Yeah, building up the welfare system.
3: You know, it's kind of interesting that we see the Democrats being played against type. You know, you mentioned several different occasions where Uh, Carter deregulated things, right? And, and of course, we know that Clinton did that as well. Clinton got rid of the Glass-Steagall Act, which allowed the banks to uh, get into speculative investments again, even though they had uh, federal deposit insurance, uh, which was something they didn't have before. And also Clinton uh, took away the restrictions on bank mergers. And when he did that, that was when Bank of America and Nations Bank uh, merged and everybody said, well, that's it. You know, we're going to wind up with just a few mega banks. And within 10 years we had just a few banks that were too big to fail. and we had the big changes there, but they're able to get away with that because they play against type. Right. And and so I think, especially when you look at this Trump situation, Trump with this, uh, his response to all this, his lockdowns, his, his vaccines going step by step right down the great reset uh, and what the globalists want to do. But he had played against type, you know. He was out there telling everybody, oh, "I'm anti-globalist." I'm anti. And then he does everything that they want in his final year, and uh, playing against type, and every and they get away with that. They they use that. They create these these images, these narratives, these personalities, and they say, "No, you know, th- this guy, no, they're they're against corporations," and then they use the Democrats to take away the regulations on the corporations. Oh, he's against the globalists, and they use him to. Put on all of the restrictions that the globalists wanted, and to destroy our supply chains and everything else.
6: Amazing! Yeah. A hypocrite jerk! Look at look yeah. at what he did to his sons. You wanted to have him killed.
3: Yes, yes. Oh, and
6: now he's complaining that they're going after him after he <laughs> wanted to get this guy killed, putting <laughs> out funny. information showing how murderous the United States was, and he's not even an American citizen.
3: Yeah, that's right. That's right.
6: And now he's you know he's a narcissistic freak. Yeah. yeah. Dollar dollar stores report higher sales. ready? This Mm is the headline. Shoppers seek bargains. Shoppers seek bargains. They don't have any money and they got to go and buy this crap.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
6: American shop. This is the, this is the, why you're saying what you're saying, you know, why the people do this, why they do that? Because they're easily brainwashed. American shoppers are gravitating toward less expensive stores as inflation drives up rents and grocery costs. The two largest dollar stores in the United States upgraded their sales guidance for the year. Dollar Tree shares shot up 18% from the beginning of the year, and Dollar General has more than 18,000 stores. An attractive option for consumers. You believe this is the propaganda. An attractive option
2: going into this crappy <laughs> joint?
3: Well, you know, there's also an attractive op- uh, option of getting a new EV, according to Jennifer Granholm. Right? You know, you got a problem; you're struggling. You got to, with these gas prices. Just buy a new EV. Yeah, <laughs> that's a. Now, and really. the other
6: thing about this too, when you're talking about Clinton and all the rest, they've done away with the Glass-Steagall Act, yes, but also the Rob, Sh- uh, Sherman Antitrust Act, Clayton Antitrust Act, Sherman Antitrust Act.
4: Yeah, that's right.
6: Back in the day, if if I wanted to open up a store and sell you know, dishes and glassware and silverware and stuff. And I went to the manufacturer and said, give me eight dozen of those, 12 dozen of these, 15 dozen of those. And then the big guy goes in there and says, I want a hundred dozen of those, 300 dozen of those, 600 dozen of those who got the better price. Yeah, big guy. No, not (laughs) under the old antitrust act.
3: Oh, yeah. Okay.
6: Everybody got the same price.
3: Mm, Okay.
6: I'll give you a break on shipping. That was about it. Yeah. They yeah. did away with all of these. This country used to be the land of opportunity. Now it's the land of slave landia. Yeah. The bigs own everything. 18,000 stores. 18,000 stores. So when you put all those numbers together and see everything that they're selling, that means they put out of business at least 180,000 Small businesses that would have had mom and pop shops. Oh, I'm not allowed to say mom and pop shops. Anymore.
4: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do we
6: call it? Gender shops, <laughs> non gender shops.
4: Generally,
6: stupid because that's where this country's going and why people don't know anything. Go to a top site that they call themselves BBC over there in the UK. Two lines of what they call news. And then sports.
4: Yeah, that's right.
6: Everybody knows who's in who what teams are in first, who's in last place, the batting average of every player, on and on and on. Hey, do you know how what happened in Ukraine in 2014? Yeah. No. no. We we <laughs> gotta we got we got we fight for those Ukrainians. <laughs> I know.
3: I know. Yeah, there's a talking about the the, the uh, small businesses being put out. Uh, Alignables August Rent Report is out today. and says forty percent of small business owners can't pay their rent. Yep, uh, that's where we are. And, and of course, there's a lot of different ways that that's happening. They're getting pressure from everything. I'm surprised. Um, yeah, and these are the 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 more um, uh, the, the small businesses that were able to weather this initial wave of attack in two thousand and twenty, where they told them, oh, "Well, you got to shut down." And then after a while, all right, well, you can open up a little bit, but we're going to limit your capacity and the number of hours that you can be open, all the rest of the stuff. And it's like, how are you going to make any money when they limit your capacity like that? I mean, most businesses, everything comes in in a small window of time, especially restaurants. They do almost all their business, you know, on, on weekend evenings. And so when you limit their, their peak capacity, uh, you've just uh, made their whole business model uh, unsustainable.
6: You were up here in Kingston, and there's right next to me is this gorgeous hotel, the Kinsley, K-I-N-S-L-E-Y. Mm-hmm. When yeah. it opened up, uh, Vogue did a, one of the things, did a, uh, a review, top five places to visit this year. This was number one. You went into the bar over there. They had two bartenders and a bar back. You couldn't get in the place, packed. This is 2019. Now you go in there, they got one bartender, and the seats are empty all the time. Wow. wow. And it's... Nighttime is gone. Gone. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: And again, it, it, it's a total different world, and they blame it again on the pandemic. And just what you said, oh, oh, you got to move those tables six feet apart. And yep. when you come in, you got to wear a mask. But when you sit down, you take the mask off because the COVID knows when you're standing up and when you're sitting down, I'll tell you what to
3: do. Yeah, I've had, that. I've had that argument so with people over and over again.
2: It is.
3: I know. I had that argument with people over and over again. You know, they're telling me I had to wear a mask to come in. I said, well, everybody that's sitting down, nobody's wearing a mask. I said, you're telling me that I got to wear a mask to walk five feet to the t-. Yeah, you're going to do it. I said, you know you're selling the rope that's going to be used to hang you, right? That's what yep. Lenin said about this stuff. You, you're pushing this stuff and it's destroying you. You've got to push back against these people that are doing these these rules How but they don't How can care. you push back against an authority? Yeah,
4: You have to
6: roll out the red Harp it for them. That's right. They are your leaders.
3: Well, you know, Fauci goes on and he says, uh, you know, the lockdowns haven't irreparably damaged anyone. I, I guess oh, he doesn't well. know anybody that lost their business or their job because of these lockdowns. You think? You ready? Yeah.
6: Toilet paper record in New York Times. Marijuana and psychedelics are at record level use. Yeah.
4: <laughs> I
6: know. Taken in its entirety. The report provides a picture of substance use in the United States, you ready, that experts say reflect a number of disparate trends affecting young Americans. First one, the devastating mental health effects, you ready, Mm
3: -hmm.
6: of the pandemic.
3: of the lockdown, yeah. (laughs) They say the the pandemic, pandemic. yeah, they say the the
6: pandemic. And this is what I'm saying yeah. how people how history is so distorted. That's right. It had nothing to do with the pandemic. It had to do with arrogant little boys and girls running and ruining our lives.
3: Yes. That's right.
6: Nothing to do with the pandemic at all. Oh, and you know when you're in an airplane, you can eat and drink without the mask on, but put it on what, because the COVID knows when you're not eating and drinking. <laughs> <laughs>
3: You know, it was interesting, uh, Leanna Wynn, who is one of the most authoritarian, hateful dictators sure. throughout all this stuff. Uh, you know, she's come out recently. She just had an interview where she said, I don't like the mask because it damaged my child. It damaged oh, them socially. Child? Yeah, but, but she's admitting the truth.
6: She, she went on and damaged how many other children?
3: That's right. Oh, yeah, but she's admitting the fact that these things cause psychological and educational uh, uh, damage to kids now. And now Only she's opposing.
6: Because it happened to her little kid. That's right. Or else
4: she couldn't give a damn.
3: That's right. Well, she is now still saying that, you know, the pandemic is not over as far as public health policy is concerned. We have to the keep the powers. They got to keep the power that they gave themselves. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's what they. Public
4: thing.
6: health policy. Putrid health policy.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you can't have public health if you don't have individual health. That's the whole thing. And they don't care about the individual health. But, you know, one of the things I thought was interesting, I just saw this today, Gerald. I'll, I'll just talk about loan forgiveness. Did you know that the loan forgiveness is based upon Trump's emergency executive order, a national emergency? That's what they're saying. Uh, that yep. was the the statement coming out of the Department of Education. I said we can get rid of any of this stuff because there's a national emergency. As long as we leave that national emergency on, I talk about this every day. We're now up to 895 days of the uh, Trump national emergency, and of course, you know Biden has added a lot of executive orders around the the so-called pandemic as well. But um, you know, as, as long as they leave these executive orders on, we don't have a rule of law. We've got now dictatorship, That's and it. they can do anything that they wish with it.
6: It's a dictatorship, absolute yeah. dictatorship. You know, I do, I do every week, uh, people, if you want to really see something I think is terrific, we do uh, Salenti and the Judge. Every week, I do a podcast with Judge Andrew Napolitano.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: And there's no, there's no judicial authority above this guy when it comes to the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. You know, he's been on both sides, you know. And um, it, it's so, dis- and he writes an article each week. And they just—they, our 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 bill of rights and our constitution have been totally destroyed by the maniacs in charge. They're authoritarian, as you said, and again, they're destroyed. This COVID thing here. This is another article about how bad it is. KPMG. Yeah. To pair, New York City office space. You ready?
4: Mm -hmm.
2: By forty percent.
4: Wow.
2: Yeah, they had, they had at least they had 456,000
6: square feet in 12 floors. That Now they have that. They used to have over 800,000. Here, Lyft is saying in March, the company said if more than 4,000 office employees could work remotely indefinitely. I'm mentioning this because of the consequences that are going to happen. As I say, when people lose everything and have nothing left to lose, they lose. When they launched this COVID war and people started losing it big time, I said, you're going to see a spike in crime like you're not going to believe. And now you're seeing it everywhere. Yes. You're going to see, it's going to get, again, this is global, and that's what people don't understand. This, the, and then you put the stupid sanctions that were going to punish Putin. They're only punishing the people. So now you have what's going on in Angola, in Nigeria, one country after another. Ethiopia, the civil war is still raging. You're going to see refugee crisis like we've never seen before. You're going to see people taking to the streets, lack of basic living standards, government corruption, crime, violence. You're going to see civil wars break out to regional wars to world wars. This is out of control.
3: I agree. I agree. Yeah, Well, you know, it, it is, uh, I, I like this headline that I saw. Uh, and, and of course, they're talking about how so much of this is, that's being done to us, these measures, the sanctions, the, uh, the mandates, and all the rest of this stuff is deliberate. But the headline is EU controlled demolition. And in a sense, uh, you know, even though it is out of control, that is their intention, as, as Fauci said. You know, how, how do we break the rules for approving vaccines? Well, we do it from the inside. We do it with disruption, and we do it iteratively. And that's really what they're doing to every aspect of our society. They're, yep. they're, they're sowing disruption and chaos. They're doing it from the inside, and they're doing it step by step. And it is a controlled demolition. But it also has another meaning to me. You know, when you look at this, um, even th- this rule that piggybacked on top of Trump's executive order of a national emergency, the original rule went back to 9-11. And they said, you know, if it's a a war or some kind of a military action like this or, you know, uh, uh, a national, a real national emergency, then, um, you know, we can do certain things. And and really we've seen, I've kind of referred to this whole lockdown, uh, you know, pandemic stuff that they've done. Uh, I I refer to that as the second shoe that's dropping, right? The first shoe was 9-11. And, of course, right there at the same time, they did the simulation with Dark Winter and then the anthrax attack and then the laws that went out. They simulated this for 20 years. Now we're getting the second aspect of it. But I see the two of them as being together. So this really is a controlled demolition, uh, just like uh, 9-11 was a controlled demolition. Everything that they're doing now is, is like it's like a left-right step. But this is, the, this is the other shoe dropping, but it's a really big shoe that's happened as, as, uh, as, as I said, say it's a really big shoe. <laughs> it's coming at us. Um.
6: You know, to, to me as a guy, you know, growing up, you know, I'm born in 46, you know, the Vietnam war, you know, that, that was, it was so every day I'd wake up are they're going to get me and they're going to get me and then, then, you know, things that we had, then it was a wild time after that. And then all of a sudden what happens? Uh, let's see. The first thing that happens is um, they pass. Uh, they they start selling the AIDS here.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fauci. Yeah, Fauci. Mm-hmm.
6: And I remember all my friends believed it, and I'm doing the research. So this isn't true, you know. And it, it, it this is why they're getting it, and it is not. It's it's not hitting the heterosexual community. Mm-hmm. And every time a heterosexual would 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 die of it they'd make a big deal out of it. One person died, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And people that were whacked out on drugs. Number two, they, I forgot the name of the law, that, that woman whose kid got killed by a drunk driver. Mm-hmm. Candy's Law or something.
4: Uh-huh.
6: And that was the end. Of it. Back in the day, if you the only way you got busted for drunk driving is if you hurt somebody because the cops were drinking too. There were bars everywhere. The streets were filled at night. Mm -hmm. Right out in front of my building about three weeks ago, working on the Trends Journal late at night, and I see lights flashing. And this woman, a state trooper, they have no business being in, as I see it, in our town. You know, we have our own city police. What are they doing here? Yeah, pulls this guy over, has him sitting in on front of the the, the trooper car, and she's going like this with a light going ba 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 ba, having him walking like this in front. I tried doing it totally straight, I, <laughs> I couldn't do it. And this is going on. I'm not exaggerating for about at least ten to fifteen minutes. And then she made him take a test, and then she walks over to him, and says, "Okay, you could go now. Have a nice night. Have a nice night." I'll hit. Wow. What did I do wrong? Well, we suspected you. I have the right to do anything I want.
3: Yeah, that's right.
6: This is
2: America. That's right. And then 9 11. 9 11 changed it. Back.
6: Homeland Security. How about shove it up your you know what? How about well, that's now what, I got
2: That's what TSA is for.
6: <laughs> ...because of the crap you made up with a shoe bomber and some other garbage.
3: Yeah, that's right.
6: How about I lost my freedom with 9-11 and giving this little dictator all of this? I could declare any war I want. You were mentioning the 9-11 thing that Trump used as an emergency. and The other one they're using is an emergency act. So those are the things to me that destroyed America. But again, to me, it happened with the assassination of JFK. When he went down, that was the end of it. I told you the story. I have a photograph here of me and John Connolly, the guy that took the bullet in the back, sitting in front of Kennedy. He mm-hmm. wanted to meet me in 1992. And I went down, it was two, two weeks before the election uh, with uh, Slick Willie when he won. Mm-hmm. And I had forecasted in my book, "Trend Tracking," that I wrote in '89 there'd be a new third party, and someone like Ross Perot would be the candidate. So anyway, I used to be on all the media because of this. Connolly wanted to meet me. I have a photograph of me, him and his wife Nellie, in front of the book depository, their first time back since the assassination. without going through the whole story, as the walking oh, then he became remember, he's the Democratic governor of Texas when he gets the bullet in the back. Mm-hmm. He became the Treasury Secretary under Richard Nixon, a Republican. And that was the, when they took us off the gold stamp.
4: Yeah. yeah. We're
6: walking back into the Anatole Hotel. He looks at me and said, you know, I read your book. He said, it's really a fine piece of work. And I know your heart's in the right place. But you don't have a clue what's going on. And neither do the American people. Because if they did, it'd be a revolution in this country.
3: Yeah, that's right.
6: That's 1992 look how we've descended since
3: then I agree yeah yeah bushes have said essentially the same thing as well and, and it is a a a planned program you know one of the yep. things i talked about earlier today gerald is the coming cbdc and and the fact that biden uh back in uh, march and it's like march 9th he put out an executive uh, order uh, ordering all of the bureaucracies to come up with a plan for what they're going to do to make a central bank, digital currency roll out. And he wanted the reports back in 180 days, which is only about 10 days from now. And now yep. you've also got this, the last day or so you've got Maxine waters. And then you, who has the finance committee and then a Republican Democrat also there coming out and saying, Hey, we got to move as quickly as possible. We don't just need a report. We don't need a feasibility study. We just need to implement. CBDC because China's already doing it and they're going to get ahead of us. And, and so this whole thing is rolling out very rapidly, but it's a plan, you know, they've had it for quite Again, some
6: while. David, go back over two years, two and a half years ago, uh, and, uh, cover of our trends journal from dirty cash to digital trash. That's right. That's you right. know, and this way they know every penny you spent, how you spent it, what you spent it on. So these little low life politicians who never work a day in their life. They keep getting their money and bringing all their, their, their flunky friends that we call bureaucrats or actually bureaucrats, stupid people that can't get a job in the real world that suck into the political system and get these jobs. And again, you know, we're talking about politicians, by the way. You know, they had three big you know, elections going on recently this past Tuesday. Oh, that was Oklahoma or Arizona some, uh, and, and uh, Florida and New York. Mm-hmm. Not one of these politicians talked about Ukraine war or about peace.
3: Nothing. Mm-hmm. That's right. Nothing. Yep.
6: All they're talking about is abortion rights, this or that. And again, look at the, and now Trump, uh, Biden's ratings are going up because of the scam of debt forgiveness. I got to, I got to pay for somebody that went to a school to get a degree in gender studies or art history. Yeah. I mean, what are we talking to?
3: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, they're, they're giving classes, I pointed out today, in the University of Texas, Austin, they're giving classes on Taylor Swift. Uh, and it's a literature department. I mean, it's it's beyond ludicrous what is happening with this stuff. It's absolutely crazy. Um,
6: and by the way, I'm wearing a red, white, and blue shirt. They may ban you uh, wherever you go for wearing a shirt with American flags on it yeah. and symbols of being a proud American That's right. who believes in the founding fathers. And uh, not, as I've read before on your show, the uh, statements from George Washington, a real man that fought in the War of Freedom, and his farewell address warning the American people not to get involved in any foreign entanglements, particularly in Europe. He said their complexities have been going on forever, and they're not our responsibility. That's right. Again, what's your favorite war? I, I like the Peloponnesian War. I think that was my favorite. I like the War of the Roses. No, the 100-year war was really terrific. How about all those crusades?
3: Yeah, yeah. The ones that we were not involved in were the better ones. <laughs> and that was the thing, you know, the the founders of this country did not want to be uh, an empire. They didn't want to oversee an empire, and they didn't want to get tangled up in these other empires abroad. But, you know, we're at the point now, I've got a person left to comment uh, for us, uh, Cheryl, uh, Sergey says you're right he says uh, and you know q is alive and well went to get a haircut yesterday and the lady couldn't wait to tell me how trump putin and she are all working together to overthrow tyranny apparently she doesn't want communism anymore according to q and whenever i tell someone trump is essentially a terrorist i met with no rebuttal just blank empty stairs this is the way that they can easily control us with these uh, social media narratives and that type of thing? Oh. I mean, it's just amazing to me to see how this kind of stuff continues to persist and how easily misdirected people are with all this stuff. It's not just yeah, mainstream media, social media.
6: Forever, though. It's just a different medium now. Yeah. I'm a Yankee doodle dandy, a Yankee doodle do or die.
3: Yeah, that's right.
6: All right, World War I, that, that murderous piece of skunk. Woodrow Wilson got us into, former president of Princeton. As I say, Harvard, Princeton, Yale, bullets, bombs, and banks. Yeah. That's the same clown that gave us the government education system, gave us the Federal Reserve, and gave us World War One. That's right. And all of these sedition acts and the espionage. Well, they, Trump didn't commit it as much as I can't stand him. It's not espionage. He didn't take stuff and give it to another you know that's right country that's right they made up that espionage with the guy eugene v Debs, who's a socialist very popular
3: Mm -hmm. in
6: jail because he came out against the war that's
3: right yeah you know I, i tell people uh because uh when we talk about supreme court i talk about uh, the case of a movie producer who did a, a movie called The Spirit of 76. He had been uh, directing things for the first really big movie, which was Birth of a Nation. And so he thought, well, instead of Civil War, I'll do the American uh, Revolution. But Woodrow Wilson wanted to send in on the war on the side of the Brits. And, of course, the Brits were the bad guys in The Spirit of 76. And so they censored his movie, and yep. he, he put it back and, and did another showing with it uh, uncensored, and so they gave him a $10,000 fine and 10 years in jail. And the Supreme Court said, you don't have any First Amendment rights in, um, with film. And that stayed there until the 1950s. And so that type of thing has been around for a long time. But That's I think what, is, what has happened is that by adding uh, social media and by adding the internet, they're now able to close the loop on feedback. You know, they had very powerful uh, oh. newspaper, and then it goes to radio, and then to television. It got more and more... Uh, uh, the reach got bigger and, and the visceral aspect of it got uh, more powerful, but now with the internet, they can measure your response to it and then they can fine tune their narrative based on how people are responding to it. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, they, they really have weaponized this thing in the same sense that, you know, you got uh, gerrymandering, uh, that's always been around, but now with computers, they're able to fine tune it to the extent, uh, with everything they know, they can pick every single voter. Uh, everywhere in the district, if they want to.
6: Again, it's different, but it's really the same. Yeah, I mean, same looking, principle. Go but back the, to Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. All the people he put into jail, the journalists, that That's came right. out against the war. That's right. And all the people that they persecuted. You know, well, they only killed, what, about oh, 500,000 Americans? That's right. That had nothing to do with slavery. That guy's book, what's his name, De Leone? Mm-hmm. Uh, about the, the real Lincoln? Yeah. And again, guy, Lincoln was pro-slavery. That's right. And he only did this for federalization. That's all it was, because states had their own rights and the tariffs and, and doing business and on and on it had nothing to do with slavery. Well, you know, and you're
3: like, you're from Italy. You're, you've got an Italian background. You know the Italian history and and um, I didn't know this for quite some time. But um, uh, Karen, who's part Italian, uh, her brother studied in Italy. And uh, they were still in contact with relatives there. And they gave him a, a family diary of a guy who was in Garibaldi's army. And I realized at that point in time, they were having a civil war in Italy yep. in uh, 1861, just as we were. And, yep. and it was about the agrarian versus the industrial revolution and uh, in yep. both places and the creation of the nation state. They didn't have any slaves in Italy, yep. but it was about the same fundamental issue. And it was happening Back. in a lot of other places.
6: Yep. again, they, they, the bigs keep taking more and more control. Yeah, Italy was all broken up into separate, you know, provinces. You know, they, 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 they forced them into. The bigs are taking control again. Going back to Dollar General, eighteen thousand stores. Oh, look, I remember when Walmart was happening in the seventies and eighties, and how there were big pushes against them
4: mm-hmm. because
6: mm-hmm. they knew they'd destroy all the local businesses, which they've done. Right. The bigs are in control. It's the greedy money junkies. Again, once upon a time, as the story goes, there was somebody by the name of Jesus Christ. He drives the money changers out of the temple. Three days later, he's on the cross. Oh, you mean the money changers, Goldman Sachs? Or was it J.P. Morgan Chase? Maybe it was Jamie Diamond's great, 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 great grandfather that was in the temple, huh? I mean, it's the same, same, same group of criminals that are robbing us of our freedom, our life, liberty, and here's a word you never hear anymore, pursuit of happiness.
3: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're pursuing all of our data. <laughs> they're pursuing yeah. our biometric uh, parameters. And uh, human nature doesn't change. Uh, but I think what, has, what is going to be different this time around is the fact that they have a lot more sophisticated tools than they ever had before that are going to concentrate the power into the hands of a few more effectively. And, And so I think that's the real danger that we see now is that concentration and that leverage that's been given to them with technology. Because, yeah, we've had evil men in the past, but they've never had the kinds of weapons and tools that they have now and and that's the whether we're talking about war or whether we're talking about surveillance in the police state the weapons that they have now are just off the charts
6: well here's the weapon britain's new prime minister liz truss next prime minister she wins says she's ready for global nuclear annihilation wow during a tory party leadership hosting in brigham tuesday to determine who will replace boris johnson this guy from Times Radio asked um, um, if she became prime minister, would she would quickly show the procedure for launching nuclear missiles from Britain's Trident submarines? Quote, it would mean global annihilation, the reporter said. I won't ask you if you would press the button. You'll say yes, but faced with that task, I would feel physically sick. How, did, how does that thought make you feel? Here's a reply. I think it's an important duty of the prime minister, and I'm ready to do that. I'm ready to do that, she repeated. Wow. I'm ready to press the button.
3: Oh, she's tough. She's tough, isn't she? Yeah. Wow. So
6: nuclear annihilation. They keep talking. This is the reality. The Russians are not bombing the nuclear power plant that they are occupying in Ukraine. Mm Mm-hmm. Why would they bomb a place that they're in? <laughs> I
3: know, I know. But crazy? the
6: media is saying that they're bombing. it. Mm-hmm. Number two, when they asked Albert Einstein, a guy that knew a thing or two about the atomic bomb, what kind of weapons would be used to fight the Third World War, he said, I don't know, but they'll be using sticks and stones to fight the fourth. So talking about your escalation of how the control is and how different it is today, the big one to me is nuclear annihilation, because now you, ha- you saw that moronic drill that they did in New York, three steps to take when a nuclear bomb goes off. The <laughs> I, one know, was it, I know. <laughs> Duck and then cover. You're yeah. studies coming out from Louisiana State University that will go into the new ice age, but it'll only last about 2,000 years. And then the new one that came out from Rutgers two weeks ago that if an atom if we go to war against russia it'll only kill five billion of the eight billion people on earth
3: yeah it's insane and and yet uh what is the thing they're trying to scare us about Carbon dioxide, not nuclear war. It's an upside down, irrational narrative that these people are selling us, and most people are buying it hook, line, and sinker. Thank you so much for joining us, Gerald Salenti, trendsresearch.com, where you'll find the excellent trends journal. Thank you so much, Gerald. Have a good weekend. The Common Man. They created common core to dumb down our children. They created common past to track and control us. Their commons project to make sure the commoners own nothing and the communist future. They see the common man as simple, unsophisticated, ordinary, but each of us has worth and dignity created in the image of God. That is what we have in common. That is what they want to take away.